everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Power Athlete Radio. Ryan Fisher is far more than the chiseled physique that meets the eye. He's a gifted athlete for sure, but he really is defined by his drive to achieve more. This is evident in his conversation with the crew as he shares his story of humble beginnings to becoming a successful entrepreneur. But Ryan is not one to boast. He attributes his success to opportunities, influential people, and serendipitous moments in time. This episode, the guys trade CrossFit stories in good fun and discuss the future of what once reigned as the sport of fitness. We also learn that Luke's high school nickname was Limp Brisket and that Tex was once caught in a love triangle between a senior citizen and her Domino's pizza delivery boy toy, only in Florida. Here it is, episode 349. Swamp guy. Swamp. Swamp thing. Swamp thing. Swamp gentleman, as they called me in college. Uh, I thought you were a swamp donkey. No, what was my, uh, what was my limp brisket? <laughs> that was my nickname in college today, at least. Yeah. Uh, Wait, in your, your nickname in college today, at least? So, yeah. so, well, so, so today your college buddies are still giving you nicknames like well, Limp Brisket? <laughs> well, Limp Brisket's pretty good. I like that. It works for Texas for sure. Yeah, depending on the day and really what we're talking about, my college nicknames vary. Yeah, right? it's basically that's Luke's joke, and we use it against him now. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, and today Tex was having some dry brisket. And then I forget how it all came up, but I... Well, you were singing Limp Biscuit. <laughs> but he it, did it all for the brisket. No, nope. the brisket. There's, like, <laughs> there's that one song that's Limp Biscuit and Method Man. Do you remember that where it's like, no. Limp Biscuit? Nobody knows that Method song. Man. Oh, dude. Everyone knows. This song's a pump-up anthem, 100%. Tex, what is it? Uh, Limp Biscuit and Method Man. I, uh, like, like, you would have to rewind like 20 years for the time at which actually Fred Durst wasn't anything other Can than a massive Can you spell biscuit douche. for me? Isn't it weird? B-R-I-S-K-E-T. <laughs> <laughs> Limp Biscuit and Method Man. Uh, uh, God. Yeah, this is it. All right, well, you guys are idiots. Yes, we are. Uh, uh, Ryan Hayward. It's the letter N, <laughs> the number two, a word they made up, gather, now. Yeah, in together now. That was like, that was a, uh, in our dorm, I guess it was in college, that was like the anthem to play if you had a system. Like if you had a big system in your college dorm. Like, like we mean like 15s? I'm talking. A system like, like Mar- sock, sock on the door. No, system. that's time. That's, we used to put rubber bands on the uh, doorknob. The, um. For what, when you were in there? When you'd be cranking it. Yeah, okay. I was just making sure. <laughs> when, you, when you're alone? <laughs> yeah. When you're all by yourself, just... Blasting, those, blasting Limp biscuit. <laughs> are those happy tears or sad tears? <laughs> happy tissues? Sad tissues. Anyways, we're going to listen to that song afterwards. Do you know what song I'm talking about, Ryan? Um, when I think of Method Man and all that stuff, I always just think of like that song, Wild and Out, I think it's called. Wild It's like the Out. only thing I can think of. All right, well, okay. we're going to have to listen or no, to that one, too. It's called, it's called The Rock Wilder. I think that's what it's called, right? Maybe. I'm, I'll tell you, I'll be honest with you. I was more of a Limp Biscuit fan than a Method Man fan. <laughs> I can't, How does that make you feel? I can't, really ever th- <laughs> I can't really ever think of when I've been like, man, I really could go for some Limp Biscuit on right now. I, I, I just, can think of times. 
I can think of times for sure. There's, I have a bad habit of, uh, if buddies are over, like visiting, we'll get on late night and just watch music videos and Limp Biscuit comes on. It just does. Didn't, didn't they sing that song, Give Me Something to Break? Yep. And that was, there's like yeah. kind of a legendary, I think it was Woodstock 99 was yep. when they played that song and it turned into like a, a riot. Absolute riot. And it's a pretty cool video to watch, actually. Yeah, we saw them at, uh, I think it was OzFest in like, in like somewhere in Philly. And I want to say like a late 90s, early 2000s, maybe 99, 2000. And when they played that song, mm-hmm. people got fucking broken. And I forgot about uh, th- their creature, their lead guitarist, whoever that dude was. Or maybe he's bassist. But he's, remember, he used to like paint his whole body black and like, yeah. I don't know. It was, it was wild, very dramatic. Wild shit. I don't know, it was 90s. Who knows? But anyways, enough about Lim- your, your boy, Fred. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ryan, I'm not enough of a Limp Biscuit fan to be able to hang with this conversation right now. <laughs> well, I was going to say, kind of, a, kind of the Fred Durst of the CrossFit, you know, community. Could we say? No, we can't say. I'm just kidding. But by the end of this show, you will be. <laughs> <laughs> be like, fuck. I'm always, I'm, always, I'm always referred to as like the Johnny McEnroe of the CrossFit community because I had my freak out moment. Uh, but, um, yes, you the should, infamous. You should have killed that guy. I really wish I did. And I also yeah. wish that I, I, I capitalized on like some really cool t-shirts like immediately after. Or, <laughs> or you could have just uh, uh, ridden into like CrossFit glory fame and just punched Castro in the throat and so just like I'm, taken him down. I'm lost. Some, oh I my thought God, about all those as well. So I, what was the here? Right, do, you, do you care if we talk about Are it? we allowed to relive oh. this? Oh, we're totally There's no legal to precedence. Uh, the statute yeah. of limitations has expired on this. Okay. I think I feel like limp limp brisket is is more offensive right now than this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so when when Ryan was competing in the sport of professional exercise, mm-hmm. uh, it, was our, it was while we were in SoCal. Uh, right? it, it was at SoCal Regionals. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did the dude like no rep you or something, or he like uh, fucking decided to be Johnny Law on you? Yeah, it was actually the first year they decided to use competition plates because we were always using high temps. And at the time, it was a 21-15-9 workout with deadlifts at 315 and box jumps. And at the time, I had like a 600-pound deadlift, so 315 wasn't a big deal. And I'm just flying through the workout, and then I guess they just decided that the only way I could go that fast is if I was bouncing the weights. So they decided to, to no-rep me. And when you watch the video, there's actually a guy who's no-repping me, and he's not even looking at me. He's looking at the head judge who's just telling him to no rep me and he's not even making the decision for himself. And just, I could just feel this whole scenario, just like just getting worse in my mind and how much I had sacrificed up to that moment. I just fucking lost my mind. Yeah. I mean, it's not really, can we really put it above Dave Castro on those band of fucking clowns to like be nefarious and try to fuck somebody over? I, I think, well, number one, no, but I, I what, what year was this Ryan? 2013. Yeah, so I was still, like, I still had the fever, like the games fever. Tex pulled up the video for us. Um, I mean, I guess that could be a bounce. Who? I mean, who cares, though? Like, that's where I'm but at. But I'm not, I'm not bending my elbows or anything. I'm just right, going right. really quick. And right. also, there's, pe- there's people next to me, like, actually bouncing them. Sure. There's people next to me that, like, they're not even bending their knees. They're just hinging at the hip and just smashing yeah, it. Yeah, so th- and that would be my point is, like, okay, let's get, like, all competitors in the heat to like let's let's see a video of side by side anywho your but I judge it, looks like fred durst <laughs> is this still oh the, no no that's jason uh that's that mma fighter he uh he's all tatted up yeah no yep. he he's an mma guy he came to our seminar jason lady mcdonald mcdonald Mc, yeah, yeah. McDonald, yeah 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 he, he was actually at my initial level one 
But this, I remember the big, like, um, one of the big things that spun out of this, wasn't it that these guys are volunteers, right? And yeah, then, they're, like, all, they're all volunteers, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, well, hey, if, if we want to, because, you know, there's like this 50-50 camp, sadly, you know, guys who are like, fuck Ryan Fisher, and people who are like, no, that dude was totally legit, it's fine. Uh, and this, like, going back to OPEX gate with, with the open, and this whole thing is just like, the people who are running this are essentially volunteers trying to do... What's, like, what's OPEX gate? You don't remember that one where... No. Oh, my God. We'll get to that. Oh, wait. Was, that so, was when they used the small plates, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, wait, what happened? So, it was bar over burpees. And I guess, I don't know, somewhere in the OPEC, OPEX paradigm, a, a strategist realized that it was like 95-pound push press and bar over burpees. I don't know, Ryan, correct yeah, me. And they use 25s? Yeah. They, they use steel plates, like fives. Uh-huh. To load up to like 95. Sh- like a shit ton of fives, so you'd have to jump so far yeah, so, over the bar. And I thought, wow, that like... Fucking genius. I mean, it, it's incremental gains, right? Like, that's the incremental advantage. Yeah. But then they, like, ruin it for everybody, you know, and it becomes a thing. But I like, I applauded the the uh, ingenuity behind ingenuity. it. Ingenuity. Well, I'm, I'm pretty sure, uh, um, you know, because Dave Castro didn't think of it. Right. Then instantly it's illegal because he is the... Right. Uh, he's omnipotent and knows everything. Mm-hmm. Well, I meant to I make mean, that illegal, but I didn't because I thought it was common sense. There's no difference between that and, like, figuring out how you're going to break up your reps. It's just a strategy. I yeah, think, in my mind, yeah. You know, I, but like, I could see how that would then set a precedent moving forward. Uh, yeah, for sure. Well, but, it causes a problem. But uh, whenever you set up rules, there's always going to be people that are looking to, you know, bend or expound or, you know, push the boundaries. And I think, like, the problem is, is that CrossFit was so kind of, uh, not arrogant, well, yeah, arrogant, but also green in the whole thing. And then when they put this stuff together, they just had this idea that, you know, people are going to come out and, and, you know, compete for the sport of the game, that the volunteers are going to be impartial because we've somehow anointed them, you know, as, uh, you know, with CrossFit HQ. And the problem is, is, you know, people have bias, you know, it could be that so-and-so didn't like you or, you know, fuck this guy, this guy's an asshole. And, or maybe got radioed down from the top and was like, you know, fucking tank that Fisher guy. Do I put that above professional sports? Fuck no. Oh yeah, totally. And well, it even happens outside of the fitness side of things. Like that happens. Kaepernick deal I think when he was doing that and causing a ruckus in the NFL they probably they probably there's orders from the top this does not look good for us to optics well, are bad what's, um, and that's not to necessarily so listeners the, who are um, tied the, into this I'm not like advocating for or against yeah, but, but the I, fact is yeah. private enterprise well and and also the uh, 31 owners are also even though they're owners of the team they actually all sit on a board mm-hmm. and Roger Goodell works for them so and they pay him like what 40 million a year so he's not making decisions that aren't majority driven mm-hmm. and i think copper uh, kaepernick kneeling and causing that was like we don't want this mm-hmm. you know i mean it's uh the um i don't know if you guys know this but the u.s army and the u.s military pay the nfl a huge sum of money so that uh the big flag can come out and they do like the big like uh, appreciation for the military before okay. games um oh wow i didn't know that oh yeah no that's that's not out of the goodness of the NFL's heart. And <laughs> breast cancer awareness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bre- breast cancer awareness is another one that they take a huge cut of that money to do it. So they, you know, for America's team, and they fly the jets over, and they hold the flag, they bring the soldiers out. All of that is paid for by the U.S. military. The owners wouldn't fucking do anything. I'm, I mean, I firmly believe that uh, they probably charge their mothers and their, fu- and their friends for tickets. Like, oh, for, for nosebleeds. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Hey, mom, uh, you're going to have to sit in the nosebleeds, you know? Like, it, it's just, uh, it, it's a dirt, it, it's a scam. And, uh, but yet they do a really good job of, like, weaving this thing into the fabric where you don't notice it. And then when you hear this stuff, you're like, really? God, that is, 
totally expectable. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I just think with uh, the CrossFit stuff, um, because they were volunteer judges and they're randomly pulling people off of the street, I mean, how many of those people actually have the ability to judge any of this stuff? And so, yeah, man, it's, a, it's an unfair deal. I mean, I've talked about this on so many podcasts, and I was probably like the most sought-after person to get on a podcast after that time, especially because podcasts were just starting. But I look back at it now, and I think it was probably the best thing that ever happened to me. Because, <laughs> just, yeah. I mean, I got some fame from it. Yeah, that, that's, that's cool and all. But I also gave me, you know, it, it gave me this, like, huge turning point in my life where I could overcome something that was a really shitty scenario. And then also just kind of let me, it gave it like redirected my life and like what really, really mattered for me. Because at the time, the only thing that mattered was destroying myself in the gym. And I had I made it to the games at that point, which I easily would have, I think I got uh, fourth or fifth at that particular regionals and I got last in that event. So I think we worked it out where like all I needed to get was like 24th place in that and I would have went and I would have gotten first in that event. But had I gone to the games, I think I'd be one of those people who's still just destroying themselves, trying to go to the games every year and not realizing that there's a whole hell of a lot outside the gym that happens in the world. Because, <laughs> I mean, by the time I had... Something more than CrossFit? No. <laughs> but it's hard, like, once you're in, once you're in that loop to yeah. understand that there's more than that. How old were you when that went down, Red? Uh, 2013, because I'm 33 now. All right. So subtract seven, seven. Nobody years. knows. 26. <laughs> 26, 26. Or 20, or, yeah. Do you need to check on your calculator? I do, actually. Okay. <laughs> my, math, my math engine isn't revved. Um, so I guess, I mean, you're, and that's, I'm, I just try to think of when presented with turmoil like that in putting myself in that place at 26, man, just like I, I've said it multiple times. I was more like I still am a moron, but looking back and reflecting at like 23 year old Luke, 27 year old Luke, 30 year old Luke, man, what a, what a nightmare that would have been for me. You know, I just, I didn't have the emotional capacity or bandwidth to uh, to like rationalize with that type of like main stage. You get something pulled out from under you. That was so important. Right. But at least you look back and reflect and see that it was an inflection point for something different. Well, literally within a year from that, I had opened Chalk, which is now like a world-renowned gym. And I don't think that it would be where it's at now had I not had that, you know, that experience. I feel like I just, I put all the hatred I had towards CrossFit and that moment and everything, and I put it into my gym and it, it really helped me, helped me strive and become better, I think. What, at what moment did that, that motivation and hate and anger turn to just reflection and opportunity and eyes forward? I didn't even really know, to be honest. Like I just, I just felt like when the when the competition was over, that I was like, man, there has to be something else out there, that that beyond this right now that I can focus my energy on. Because what if this happens to me again? And you know, like this just just can't be the only thing. Because before before that set of regionals, I actually had spent like a week living in my car, and I had slept on some people's couches for like about four months. So I didn't even know, and like. I did all that just for the love of the sport and I wanted to, to stay in it. And my mom begged me every day to drive home, which is in New Jersey, to go back to school to become like a nurse or like I looked into like PA school because I was a biology major in college and then I shift to exercise physiology. So I had all the science classes and then I thought about it a lot. <laughs> and then this girl just kind of stepped up. Her name was Erin Dwyer and she's like, hey, I know that you don't know me, but everybody in the gym really likes you and I feel like it would suck if you left. 
and I was living in San Diego at the time. And she's like, you could just stay on my couch. And I remember like those four months of just laying on this chick's floor, <laughs> actually on an air mattress was where I wound up staying. Like I would just like literally every night just like cry myself to sleep and be like, this fucking sucks. I'm, I'm literally just this kid who the only thing I care about is working out. And now I think about the kids that are in my gym now who all they care about is working out. And I'm like, dude, I just want to shake them and tell them like, there's so much more to life. Um, but yeah, but you know, people for have me, to make their mistakes, you know, pe- 100%, yeah, 100%. people have to walk their road. I mean, you know, we, I mean, without I, think, it, it's just... I was in a time though, where like all the stuff that I did was, was a doable thing. And I don't think it's doable anymore. Like I was just at this forefront of like when gyms were still kind of popular when you could, you know, Instagram was just starting, like all these different things. And now there's everybody, they're still kind of hoping to make that happen. And I just don't feel like it's going to happen for them. I just feel like it's a lot harder. It's a lot harder to be like a Jason Khalifa now or a Rich Froning or, you know, a CrossFit Invictus type of gym programming or something like that. Like to create all that now is much, much harder because I mean, uh, CrossFit doesn't even have an Instagram anymore. They're not big on Facebook anymore. I think they deleted all of it. Mm -hmm. And then they don't really showcase athletes anymore. They don't really showcase gyms anymore. It's just kind of a thing that we all pay $3,000 and they, they're just stoked on it. Well, the, the reason is, is um, I think they looked at the model and they realized that, hey, these games are extremely expensive and it's bringing a bunch of awareness about CrossFit that isn't necessarily the image that they want. You know, I mean, you know, yeah. you own a CrossFit gym. How many people walk in that are just looking to get fit opposed from people that are coming to try to win the games? And the people that are um, in that vein of like, hey, I want to win the games, they're not paying your $150, $200 a monthly. Like, you should yeah. be paying me to be here. I'm going to help your gym. And you're like, dude, you are a succubus of cancer. Get the fuck out of my gym. I want people <laughs> with jobs that show up and train that want community, not just to do fucking nine workouts like you probably used to do. I mean, it's amazing now just to even look at the programs that I make. Like, I'm slowly, like, kind of getting rid of a little bit more, like, snatches and overhead squats and handstand push-ups. And I'm like, hey, man, like, these are great movements, but not for the average person. And a lot of people don't give a fuck if they do them or not. They just want to look in the mirror in like 30, 60, 90 days and be like, yeah, I look good. <clears throat> so, I mean, I, my programming's even changed a lot. People always ask me like, oh, you should just recycle some workouts. Stop taking so much time to make them. I'm like, well, I look back and I'm like, that was fucking dumb. And I feel like if you're not evolving, you're not really doing a good service for anybody. Amen. Yeah, no, I look at a bunch of, the, of our old stuff and I'm like, Fuck, this would take me a lot to, but people want it. I mean, we should still put out that ebook of all the old cross of football stuff because it was awful. I like look at this and I'm like, how the fuck did we do all this? It seems, it sounds, if I came in and said, let's do this today, you guys would leave. <laughs> you know, pancakes? <laughs> I'd be like, uh, let's go find pancakes. Yeah, let's get some pancakes today. It seems like pancake weather. <laughs> that's, uh, that's my brother's deal. Like on some mornings when they're driving to the gym, they'll stop at uh, Pancakes R Us on 17th. And they were like, didn't get to the gym. We stopped and got pancakes. It looked mm. awful. <laughs> I remember my first thought of what, like what CrossFit football was. And I was working out at that gym when I was sleeping on that couch. And the owners of the gym, Anders Varner and Brian Borstein, which Anders Varner now is one of the owners of Barbell Shrugged. And then Brian owns an online business now, which I actually helped him in the beginning, kind of helped him get started. And I remember the first thing that I recollect from like here in CrossFit football was, I think it was 30 kettlebell swings, American swings was on the minute Yeah. with the 70 pound kettlebell. And it was like, I don't know how long, 
How long was it? Two, it was, Ten minutes, right? It was a minute on, minute off for five rounds, and you got to get 150 swings. So you got 30 yeah. seconds to get, uh, or you got 60 seconds to get 30 swings. I called it monkey claws. Or else you had to row a thousand <laughs> yeah. meters for a miss. Yeah. <laughs> Is so, that true? The, 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 the row? Yeah. yeah. If, oh, if, I didn't if, know that. Yeah. If you didn't get the 150, you instantly had to do a thousand meter row. But the hilarious part was. Per 30 reps that you nah, didn't get. I don't yes. think. Was that what yeah, For was? each round that you didn't get 30. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, for each round you didn't and get it, thirty. But that came up in a couple different ways. It would be like ten burpees per rep yeah. or something like that. Like, but but I remember the first certainly time. Certainly, the row after the swings <laughs> was a memorable. Like you only miss once. Yeah. Like even uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, even Coco came to the the comments were like, "Sorry about that, pals." <laughs> well, well, the problem and the reason we call it monkey claws was uh, after I got done, my hands were like stuck like this. And I couldn't get on the rower, and I was like, uh. I'm like, oh, this is terrible. Yeah, so that was called monkey claws. But that oh. was like the first workout that I remember. I mean, there was a lot that I remember, and I remember doing a whole bunch of the workouts that you guys made, but that was the one where, like, we would always do it in the gym. It was always, it always sounded fun. It was always a good challenge, and, like, we always got really excited about it. And then I remember looking up CrossFit football, like, once I had enough money to have a computer. <laughs> and um, I was looking online, and I found this John Wellborn guy, and I remember – He's like in this metal, like three-story place in Newport Beach. And he's like, hey, what's up? Welcome to CrossFit Football. And I was like, damn, this guy fucks. This guy's so cool, you know? <laughs> You're like, one day I'm going to live in one of those. And now you do. And now I live like literally like the same place. <clears throat> yeah, no, so, yeah, that, uh, so we used cool. to call that the the Fortress of Solitude, the Concrete Palace. A uh, fucking place was great. I mean, right down there in the cannery. I remember I'd walk out and Louie, who was my next door, lived across from me. He owns uh, Madison Salons. And I remember one day I like went out and he waved and waved back. I'm like, what are you working on? He's like, I got all the Victoria's Secret models here. They're getting ready for their show. And he was over oh there doing God. all these hot chicks. And I was like, invite. He's like, I can't. I'm like, fuck off. <laughs> so I was like, that was just a day in Newport Beach. You wake up on a Tuesday and your neighbors, you know, doing all the hair of all the uh, uh, Victoria's Secret angels. I'm like, damn it. What was that like working out in there and like causing noise and everything with all these neighbors who own these multi-million dollar homes? Yeah, uh, we didn't last that long. Um, <laughs> they fucking evicted us really quickly. And, oh, uh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I, I own the building, so it was like, fuck you. Like, there's no landlord to contact. Uh, the problem was is um, the guy who lived across from me, he uh, worked from home because uh, his wife was successful and um, he was a little bitch. I'm going to say that. Uh, so he lived and he like ran some like weird little t-shirt business out of the downstairs. And he would call the city every time he saw people running around or doing anything. I even went over. I'm like, yo, man, why do you keep calling you? Like, you can come work out with us. I would never. And I was like, oh, fuck. So this guy ended up just causing so much harassment where the police would come. Uh, and we had all like, like we had a CPU. We like we had everything. It just got to the point where it just wasn't worth the hassle. And at that point, we just, uh, that's when we rented the place up on Monrovia and uh, the first place that we were in. And that place was killer until our other neighbor got pissed at us because uh, his workers during their smoke break didn't felt uh, triggered by seeing people work out while they were smoking and it didn't hurt their self-esteem. So wow. we had to move out of that place. What was the address there? Um... Are you, 1620. You, you want this on the record for the listeners? 16, to go, uh, 16, yeah, go fuck that place up. No. Six, good, uh, <laughs> I think it was 1620 Monrovia. Yeah, 1620. And then we did nine, 941 New Hall. Yeah, uh, 941, 943 New Hall. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was our other one. 
So yeah, we had, yeah, I mean, it, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it's pretty interesting. Like every time you go to a CrossFit gym, like now the ones you see that are successful, uh, are solo buildings that don't have neighbors. Like I, I was just in Salt Lake city and I went to, uh, uh, like a, across a gym that's in a, like a Kwanzaa hut, you know, like a military crowd, like the, you know, semi kind of deal. And they have like a football field out back and a sand beach volleyball court. It was such a killer gym, zero neighbors. And I was like, oh, that's pretty smart. Yeah. Makes sense. <laughs> How many how many seminars are you guys doing like a month, a year, or something like that? Uh, we kind of got out of the seminar gig. You know, when CrossFit football ended, uh, we decided to take a lot of the education and the methodology and the learning for us online. And what was nice, and we always kind of wanted that prerequisite with CrossFit football because people would show up and they didn't have a foundational knowledge. They just didn't know that they didn't have access. So when we get up and talking, as you remember, uh, about methodology, programming, um, I did the exact opposite in Glassman instead of saying I created everything. No sports scientist is intelligent. I'm the smartest person. I invented this high intensity exercise. I actually went back and said, hey, these are all the people I've learned from. And this is the information that you should read to arrive at the same conclusions I have. And that's uh, actually that's actually what I remember. Like the first time I started like reading about stuff online was probably like the old school T Nation. And uh, I remember Dan John was like one of the big guys on there and I would always read his stuff and he's like, nobody ever made anything. We all steal from everybody. As long as you say that you did, nobody cares. Yeah. Well, I mean the idea of <laughs> if you stand on the shoulders of giants, it's always easy to say, Hey, this is where I'm standing on. Um, yeah. but with, with the CrossFit deal, so many of the CrossFitters came in with this just kind of neutered, uh, understanding based off of, you know, CrossFit and, you know, I'm Greg Glassman and I observed this and, you know, you know, the black box and, and all of these things. That was me. Now that, that I think me, back on, I'm like, you know, Adolf Hitler said, nobody believes a small lie. He'd tell a big lie and tell it repeatedly and people will buy it. And uh, The premier podcast in strength and conditioning. Ing. Ing. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> ing. Ing, ing, ing. Uh, but that piece was, uh, was very apparent when I taught the seminar. I didn't want that. I, I just thought it was disingenuous and I thought it was, uh, um, it just opens yourself up, uh, you know, by steeping it and talking about, Hey, these are the people I trained with. And at the end of the day, man, I, I trained with some of the world's best. So like, why wouldn't I highlight them? And you know, when you came to the seminar, I get up there and I talk about where the philosophy came from and the programming and all this, and this is stuff you should read. The problem is, is that we would make recommendations for people coming to the seminar. Hey, you should read this ahead of time. Nobody read anything. So like we started just having these really basic conversations where I'm like, man, like you guys don't have a ba uh, background in physiology. You don't understand nervous system, energy systems. Like they just, uh, CrossFit doesn't really put much, or back in the day, mm -hmm. didn't put much stock in that stuff. So I always felt that when people came to the seminar, they were, there was this huge gap in information. So when we looked at the methodology, how do we create a methodology that people can go through where we give them this foundational understanding for us to have more advanced conversations? And then, well, I always tell everybody that it was that what you guys did was way better than the CrossFit cert. Cause they'll, they'll say, Hey, should I get my level one? I'm like, uh, honestly, this, the CrossFit, the football one was the level one times a hundred. If you guys just want to actually learn something. Now we, we have our opinions on that and I'll save it, but I will tell you, Ryan, that's not the first time we've heard that from a third party. In fact, gym owners would also have their, like, I guess what intern coaches forego their level one and head to the CrossFit football seminar first so that they could get a, a grasp of what they would consider a true approach to training and then go through the formality of the level one because football not only prepared you for the test there and understand how that whole thing works, but it's just made you a better coach. Well, I mean, uh, the amount of people we had that came to our deal that did our training and went to the level one would actually go and demolish shit. Oh, and, yeah. and, then the, and then the trainers at the level one would be like, oh, you guys fall across the football, huh? 
<laughs> and it was like this unbelievable thing where dudes would show up and just be, you know, stronger, bigger, fitter. And um, I just think, man, it was, um, how do I put this? Like, uh, it's just like a, a difference in philosophy in that, you know, we're looking at, uh, you know, big horsepower, you know, big duration, you know, looking at all these other key elements. And I think just like, at least, you know, and CrossFit's gone back and reskinned their stuff a bunch. It's I, I no longer ma- random. Have you, Ryan, when's the last time you've been to a level one? Um, I think I had to go last year to renew mine, which was painful. Oh yeah. It, it was, it was so bad. It's like literally the same thing. They haven't added anything. I mean, still the same bad after, jokes. After all these I years, I thought for sure they would add a little bit to it, you know? So hang on real quick. Cause I want to see, I want to hear, I want to explore. Do you know where I'm going? <laughs> go. Do they still make you work out? They do. Did you, you work have out to do the workout? I did. And one of the workouts was literally like, I want to say it was like 30, 15 deadlift. It was, it was a med ball push press uh-huh. and like burpees or something. And I was like, dude, I can't, a med, a 20 pound med ball push press for me is such a joke. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was like unbelievable. So did you finish first? I recall something like that. Yeah. So me too. <laughs> what I'm trying to get at is Ryan, we, you and I have a lot in common, like at our CrossFit level ones, we got the best times at our workouts. Well, you were elite. I am. Is your still? I think ours was twenty one fifteen nine well, ninety five pound thrusters and burpees. I, I just got an email that I have one more year remaining. Oh no, I'm out. Um, yeah, they booted uh, me. Yeah, well, they um, they stopped doing pull ups at the level one unless they had crash pads because people were as they were doing it were just randomly letting go of the bar and people were like landing on their skulls. And God forbid we teach a strict pull up. <laughs> yeah, and that and that's. That's the next gym owner you have right there, the guy that fell on his face. Yeah, oh, yeah. And, like, some guy <laughs> fucked himself up, and it's like, uh, shit. It, uh, mm. uh, you know, I, man, like, I always go back, and it's funny. As we're sitting here, I was, like, remembering, um, what was the name of uh, Ryan Flynn, uh, Orange Coast? Uh, Justin Flynn. Yeah, Justin, Justin Flynn. Flynn. Yeah, he, he started the Orange, uh, what was it, the Orange County throw-up. I mean, uh, throw-down. <laughs> <laughs> And oh, John, so you with your jokes. Oh, I, I'm, I totally, He's back, baby. Hey, I totally hey, forgot. As, much, as much as we hate that competition, that competition is responsible for like me actually, like everything in my life is for me winning that competition. Oh, there you go. So you, you but, there's a little heritage there. But what's crazy is uh, that shit was such a circus, and then that poor dude ends up fucking breaking his neck, and like Ryan Flynn or uh, uh, Justin. Justin Flynn. Justin like, Flynn. He fucking like went to like uh, overseas yeah, like Indonesia. Bali to surf school. <laughs> yeah. He yeah. went to Bali. He was like, I'm out of here. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, he closed the gym. He peaced out. Like everybody just fucking that, that whole thing like went out like a Roman candle just extinguishing. And it was like, oh, God. So, and that dude like boned out. That's actually a perfect segue into what I wanted to get into. So I was asking you how many s- seminars you'd been to. How many you done and all that? Because I wanted to ask you of all the gym owners that you have seen, because you said you were just in Utah talking about the gym. Have you seen a huge shift in like almost everybody's programming for a gym? Like, do they all say like, hey, we've been taking out this and adding this in and these types of things? Because I really feel like I feel like almost all the processors who've been doing it for like the last let's just call it five years. They're all like pretty fucked up and they're like, hey, man, I just really want to chill out for a little bit, maybe do some regular strength training, like maybe some, some squats, deadlifts and presses well, <laughs> and just get some, get some strength. But I want to do a little cardio. So I, think, I feel like uh, eventually 
we might yeah. lose the Olympic lifts for a little bit. I think what we're seeing is um, some really interesting natural selection. And now uh, the way CrossFit's gone on, and especially the training, I just think that we're seeing this like uh, almost this genetic adaptation, and it's just kind of finding the outliers. Like um, when I was in Utah, uh, I went out and hung out with Joel from Overkill Racing, who um, builds monster trucks. And he was like, oh, do you know my buddy Matt Frazier? I was like, oh, yeah, I know Matt Frazier. I've never met him, but like we got a bunch of mutual friends. He's like, yeah, he comes by, uh, you know, when he's in Utah, he'll come out here and train. He'll come by the shop. I was like, oh, killer. And he's like, yeah, it's kind of weird. He uh, works out seven hours a day. I was like, what do you mean? He said he wakes up at seven, eats breakfast. He's at the gym by uh, eight and he'll work out until three o'clock. Basically does like seven to 12 workouts and has this like seven hour training regimen. And then he comes over to the shop and welds and I'll teach him some fabrication stuff. And I'm like, seven hours every day. He's like, yep, seven hours every day. So to be able to do that much volume workout, I mean, or to do that volume workout and be able to train at that volume, like I'm sure Rich and those guys do, um, it's just what they do. And I think it's how they're able to survive going into the competitions, you know, but I just wonder how many people have the ability to be able to handle that volume sustained over interesting time. And I think it just creates these outliers. Yeah, but I'm just talking about the, the programming for the general public, like guys, as yeah, gym I, owners and I, I, I we've a, seen it all over. I've I mean, got a view on this because we've seen Ryan. We always had a form of lunge and stepping up and high knees and sprints. We'd view those as step ups in the the CrossFit football now power athlete program. And in teaching the seminar, we would dive into how to set up, execute the lunge and the step up because we were training athletes to perform on the field, just getting ready for whatever is thrown at them in a field court sport environment. And then we were teaching that for years, and then we saw it drop into the open. The lunge blew up. I forget which one, 16.1 maybe, when we had Atkins. But um, so then the next year you saw the step up onto a box, which I feel is bastardized because it puts you at a way wonky range of motion that they, people can control, reinforcing negative injury potential. But oh, no, no, no. <laughs> right. But we were seeing this and we were way ahead of the game because we viewed this as movement and just broke it down and put it into a training model that could prepare athletes for the true demands of sport, squat, step and lunge through infinite planes of motion and combinations and all this. So we are seeing a addition of movements rather than volume, which I appreciated. But then now it's they run out of ideas and well, it's just and I volume. Think, I think going to the movement selection thing, like you're saying, Ryan, like let's just nail that. Let's t- tack up Olympic lifts, right? That's one of the problem. People will quit our programs, online programs, because they, we don't have Olympic lifting every week or every right? day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. true, true. And, and I, and I know I'm, uh, even young gym owners, there's like this mystique and allure behind mastering the Olympic lifts within the fitness paradigm. And I get it. Like I get I get it. But going back to something you said earlier, let's scratch, let's just scratch through the surface and find out why your clients are really there. Okay. They want to look good naked, probably get laid if they're single. Like, is there way, is there ways to achieve that without spending uh, a disproportionate amount of time on technique to make an Olympic lift an effective training response to get that goal covered? Like, Hey, hit some bicep curls and shoulder presses. And you know what I mean? Like some RDLs and you'll be good. I mean, it's just crazy. I, I still get blown away at the fact that we're allowing people to do that, like on their first day of CrossFit. It's just crazy to me. It's like you want to get, you want to start shooting. Like instead of giving them a 22, you give them a 50 cal, and you're just like fucking go to town. 
I Get just some. <clears throat> well, I mean, dude, how, how many times have we seen people that uh, couldn't do a strict pull up fucking bang out 10 or 15 kipping pull ups? Mm-hmm. And I remember that was a big thing for us is like, I don't want to see you kip until you can do some strict pull ups. You have to be strong enough to be able to protect yourself in the eccentric load or we're going to have a bunch of fucking issues. I mean, unless you're, you know, a 75, 80 pound woman, um, you know, where it's not as much weight, but like we'd bring in these dudes that were like 200 pounds and like they couldn't do a strict pull up, but yeah, they can kip their fucking asses off. And then mm-hmm. they wondered why they had slapped tears and a bunch of other stuff. And they're also doing a hundred kipping handstand pushups, smashing their head on the ground. <laughs> yeah. And then they're axial loading their necks and having a bunch of other issues, like resting on it's, their heads. And you're like, crazy. you're speaking my language. <laughs> Fitness. Yeah. Uh, I just, I, I try to get rid of that stuff in my programming. And like some of my members will bitch about it. They'll be like, Hey, I wish we snatched more or did more handstand pushups. I'm like, do you really? Like, what are you going to do with them? <laughs> or you tell them, be like, oh, good. You should come in a little early or stay a little late. I'm sure we could throw yeah. it in for you. You can go sit up in the corner and snatch your brains out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, I don't personally know any Olympic lifters. And I know a lot of them. I actually just had Sonny Webster, who's like, he went to the Olympics for yeah. um, Great Britain, I think. And he was, he was telling me like, he's 25 or six. He's like already, his body's fucked. And he's just like, I don't know anyone that's done Olympic lifting for as long as he has, like, let's just call it 10 years or whatever, where they regret, they all regret lifting as much as they did. They're like, I wish I just snatched like Sonny only snatches once a week and clean and jerks once a week. Mm-hmm. And the rest of it is like conditioning workouts, like traditional IWT stuff. And he does like uh, bodybuilding days and that's it. And he's like, I, I only do it once a week and that's it. I'm, I'm cool. But yet everybody wants to do it every day. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I mean, um, and I think what it came down to is uh, at the end of the day, uh, this was kind of interesting. And I go back to like the narrative that I pulled out from my first cross at level one. There was this kind of like idea that, uh, you know, even though CrossFit is training you to be more fit, there's something like there's a, a, a form of training that athletes do. And the hilarious part was as CrossFit, you know, and it was Castro and Nicole Carroll and all these CrossFit level one people are up there talking about this. I'm sitting in the audience as a professional athlete and they're talking about the things that all athletes do. Mm-hmm. All athletes, you know, the, the path to athleticism is Olympic lifting. Everybody should be eating the zone diet. And they're making these kind of like preposterous claims. <laughs> Where, uh, like the amount of uh, the amount of NFL players playing in the NFL today that don't know how to Olympic lift is orders of magnitude greater than those that do. Um, you know, I remember when I went to the Patriots. Um, you know, I uh, I put on my shoes and I was doing cleans, and like the the um, head strength coach came out and like was like overjoyed that somebody was using the Alico plates and the bars because he hadn't seen anybody Olympic lift in so many years. So. I, I think there was a misconception and I'll tell you, it, it was, uh, whether or not it was a misconception by design or just, you know, uh, intentional or, or, you know, accidental, you know, they did sell this idea that there is a, uh, correlation between athlete athleticism and fitness. And I think what we found over the last 10 years is some of the fittest athletes we've ever seen are the least athletic individuals and that, that, uh, they are not mutually exclusive. So, or they're sorry, they are mutually exclusive. But you could also think that, think CrossFit for that because the method in which they developed, granted it's self-serving level of fitness, but I think it's pretty, like it's not terribly inaccurate. Mm -hmm. They're pretty fit dudes at the top and chicks at the top. Super fucking fit. And they're doing what CrossFit teams CrossFit and anyone watching would call CrossFit for the most part. Um, But in order to do that, it's like the same repeated movement patterns. So you lose that kinetic creativity to be athletic, right? Well, because everything's bilateral hip hinging in the sagittal. Totally, plane. and I just think of when we do. We used to do change of direction, Ryan, at the uh, at the seminar. Like you'd have these 
totally gnarly chicks that would just like f- for whatever reason the women who ne- who were really fit who never played sports were the clumsiest in that change of direction stuff except for Mike Rashid. Well, actually he was pretty athletic, but until he broke his ankle because he wouldn't. No, I thought he ruptured. Did he break his ankle or did he like? I fuck think he it? broke a bone I, in his foot. I thought, or did he rupture his Achilles? Or? No, it wasn't. No, Achilles. Was it, he hurt his foot because he wouldn't mm-hmm. lace him up. Yeah. The, uh, Look good though. I'll, I'll tell you, probably the greatest was we went up to go teach that seminar, and Kalipa had been on us for years to come teach a seminar. So we go up and we teach at Kalipa's gym. We come in, and uh, in the middle of just doing some dead bugs and some basic warm ups, some ISO stability tests, he just rolls over, gets up, walks out the door, doesn't say anything, gets in his car and drives back. Didn't even come back to lock up the gym or show up on Sunday to let us in. Just fucking wow. walked out and never heard from him again. As we're as we're reflecting on like the the who's who of CrossFit attending our seminar, I remember Ryan you attending. Yeah. And uh, yeah. number one, so go, this was like right at the time when people you were you were talking earlier, John, about uh, people were coming in with just like no like a lower level base level of knowledge. And what what we can never get people to do is like truly lift a rep max. As a, the as yeah. the years pass, they're like, oh, you know, I'm work. I got an ankle. I got blah blah. I have some excuse. I'm on my Olympic. I'm going cycle. light today. Yeah. I forgot my belt. I mean, the amount of I forgot excuses. Purse. But I remember you were one of the ones who went for a true triple on their back squat. Yeah. We got. I remember film, he put right? on his fucking knee sleeves, those uh, black and white striped knee mm-hmm. sleeves, and like, you know, like the what are the the canvas things, and fucking went for a legit one. Yeah. I was and excited. I, also, I remember that. And I also remember <laughs> Ryan uh, basically eating the carnivore diet. Mm-hmm. Where he's like, yeah, I just go buy five pounds of ground beef and that's all I eat. And I'm like, no vegetables? You're like, no, nah, fuck now, vegetables. Do you remember? And I even said to you, I'm like, <laughs> maybe throw a little bit of vegetable in there. I'm, remember, I'm not going to say where. Do you remember him, you and him trying to make a connection on the programming lecture? Ryan, I don't know if you remember this, but it was skill day. And you're like, so here's what skill work is. And we go through it and it's low yeah. heart rate, broken down movement pattern. Um uh, submaximal effort. Submaximal effort. And you're like, okay. And Ryan, you're like, yeah, I think I get it. So you're talking like uh, 30 deadlifts on the minute at like 315? And John's like, no. You're like, okay, so is it 20 deadlifts at 405? Yeah. Get, like, you're like, what about 30 clean jerks at 225 in sub 10 minutes? Is, I mean, because that's kind of low heart rate. I'm like. You're like, uh, may, okay, hang on. Maybe for you, let's take you out. I here. don't recall that part. Yeah. There's a little bit of artistic license in this story but uh it, <laughs> i remember that being like no i, I fisher's I, on a different level than these people dude I, I just laughed at him being like yeah i just go buy five pounds of ground beef and that's what i eat and then i go back and get five pounds more i'm like ah no veggies you're like no veggies i'm like ah, just throw some veggies in a little cruciferous vegetables will go a long <laughs> way towards helping gut health and you're like i literally I, I was eating three pounds of ground beef a day for probably close to a year and it was a recommendation off of Brian Borstein from CrossFit PV because I remember just being like, you know, what are you guys eating? You know, just think, thinking about like how I could change my diet and like, oh, this is what we're all basically doing this. And I was like, oh, well, I'll give that a try. And like after a few months, I was so fucking shredded. And I was like, well, well you know I'm what doing it is. This. It's I'm doing a, this forever. Uh, <laughs> it's a um, um, it's a high protein modified fast. So. Uh, we've talked about on the podcast, I mean, all the research, which kind of blows people's minds is if you eat enough protein in a caloric restriction, you'll never lose an ounce of muscle. So if you're eating three pounds and that's roughly, would it be 32, 48 ounces of ground beef, right? So 48 uh, times, let's say seven. And you're like, okay, so what's that? 330, 350 grams or sorry, it'd be 336 grams of protein. Is that right? 
ish. Yeah. yeah. So a, a day. So you're eating like, you know, at 180 pounds, you're eating like two grams of protein per pound of body weight. And, you know, if you're eating the leanest ground beef, the fat's on the low side. So you're like roughly probably, fuck. I was actually uh, eating 85%. So it was pretty fatty. Well, but I mean, you were still eating probably 1,800 at max, 1,800, 2,000 calories. And you're probably burning like fucking 4,000 a day. So anything yeah. that you're eating, uh, you know, is getting burned off as fat. And because you're maintaining like two grams of protein is pretty fucking high. So like, yeah. you know, if you go look at the research and you look it up, it's a, a muscle sparing or is it protein sparing? sparing? Uh, I just had it. Uh, protein sparing. Modified fast. Mo- modified fast is what it's called. But yeah, I remember, uh, you know, whenever people get into this thing and I'm like, at the end of the day, if you need a protein and caloric restriction, you don't lose muscle. So you only lose fat. So like, what are we talking about here? And I think like that was when you did it. And I was like, man, that was, uh, and now people are like, oh, I'm fucking carnivore. And I'm like, just because you want to eat fucking Costco fillets for every meal, dude. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm I, with you. If I could eat a Costco fillet for every meal for the rest of my life, I mean, I'd probably do it too. John, did you try? I just think that the ahead. carnivore diet is just for lazy people. I mean, I was just, I just wanted to get my, the quickest meal impossible and just fucking get back to work. <laughs> did, um, so, I mean, that's, that's why I did it. Did you, did you drop or did Skutnik drop in the, the block one group the, uh, the analysis of... The carnivore diet, the nose tail carnivore diet, was uh, that yours? I dropped it in there. Yeah, that's pretty interesting read. Yeah, but uh, but what I liked is that guy's doing nose to tail, so he's eating yeah. organ meats. He's eating like you know from the rooter from the rooter to the tutor, basically mm-hmm. we could say. Whereas uh, I like that because it's an unla- uh, unlazy form of carnivore, and it allows you to get all these different micronutrients associated with different cuts of meat. It's not like hey. I just went and bought fucking Costco fillets, and I'm going to cook these things, and every meal is a fillet, and I'm like, um, I just. I don't know, man. I think it sets you up for some nutrient deficiencies. But the 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 interesting thing is, um, I think what happens is people become, and we've got into this numerous times on the podcast with uh, metabolic flexibility. They've effectively destroyed their gut so badly from all the other stuff that they've done that the only nutrient that they can process is some form of lean meat. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just don't think that's uh, and then the restriction that's a also for, could dig them in a, into a deeper ditch. Well, right? But it is a rest, uh, restrictive diet, so it is putting them in caloric restriction. So well, just the restrictive food selection is what I was talking about. If you're, if you, if you're abstaining from certain foods, then would, could you build an intolerance to it if you're not eating it regularly? Uh, theoretically, you know, the idea is if you're allergic to something, you can pull it out for thirty days, and then if you come back to it and you still have um, some form of allergy, then you kind of look a little bit deeper. But I think for the most part. Um, you know, we've, we've also seen, I mean, there's a, there's a virus that people can get where they're actually become allergic to red meat. So I sometimes wonder if gut inflammation gets so big that the only flare that they can do to try to like, because maybe they don't have self-control, they don't have a good plan is to just fucking, I'll just eat red meat for every meal. Man, what a good prank that would be to dose someone with the red meat virus. Well, there's a tick in Texas, the Lone Star tick that if you get bit, then you can't you get upset stomach and can't digest protein or it makes you go, I forget what it is, but you That's can't all? eat red meat. I'll still do that. That's a small price so. Wow. No, what, it's you don't a, think I'll do it? Give me that tick. I'll do it. Okay. 50 bucks. <laughs> no. <laughs> you're going to pay me? It, when you were eating all that ground beef, you said you got shredded, but was your performance pretty good or were you just too young to even not even care? Yeah, man. I That was when I was like the best I'd ever been. So, I mean... God knows what I would have been like if I actually ate a legit <laughs> diet. <laughs> so I mean, I I'm not I'm not too ignorant to say that like what I was doing wasn't fucking retarded, but like I mean, fuck, I 
when I had no money, I definitely got offered jobs to be a stripper at one point. I mean, it was all because I was eating 85% ground beef three times a day. <laughs> no, that sounds good, man. I, I, um, so, so the the one year uh, when I was at the Eagles, we had a bod, we, we got a bod pod, and so we all got our bod pods done, and we basically put through this big pot. And uh, we had prizes and the biggest change. We just made a big game out of it. And I went home to Florida and was training with Roth. And I think I ate, and you're going to laugh at this because, you know, um, I still contend that Stan Efferding stole my mom's <laughs> fucking... Monster uh, mash recipe? Uh, no, my mom's cookbook. Because when we were kids, uh, my mom got these That's like the big sleeve of hamburgers. So she would cook... Diet? No, well, uh, his it? vertical diet. But, vertical. Vertical diet. But it. in there, what my mom would do is we get these big sleeve of hamburgers, so we'd throw all the hamburger patties on the barbecue, and then we'd pull them off, and you put like two patties, and then she'd give you a big scoop of, of white rice on top. And if we were real lucky, she'd like cook the white rice with like chicken broth or beef broth, mm. and then you'd pour like, you know, little like soy sauce or a little salt or whatever it is, and we'd eat that or mustard, whatever condiment you had. So... Uh, we have Stan on the podcast and he's talking about the, you know, the genius of this vertical diet and how it's ground beef and rice. And I'm like, holy shit, you stole my mom's cookbook, which he didn't think was funny. I thought it was fucking hysterical. But when I, uh, the last four weeks before I came back on that bod pod, I ate every meal was like ground beef and rice. When I came back and I think I was like 7% body fat at like 306. So I was 282 pounds of lean muscle and I was the only dude that ever tested over 300 that was under 10%. So that was like pretty yeah, good. And I was, they were like, what have you been doing? I'm like, ah, rice and fucking ground beef. That's it. It's awful. Which was. And snatches. <laughs> so if you're looking to be 300 and pounds. And sprinting. All I did was sprint and like do singles. <laughs> Over 300 pounds. Less than 10% body fat. Sprinting is fucking the best. Sprinting really is like the best thing out there. Oh, well, dude, totally. Well, there's a, uh, there's pretty extensive well, research. Let's define that, sprinting. Well, let's, let's, well, we talked about this when we taught the seminar for the guys at development group. Uh, there's a really interesting block of information where they looked at like body fat in relationship to people that win the 100 and the 200 meters. And they figured out that the guy with the lowest body fat usually always wins. And it was like 95% effective. So the idea is that to be able to sprint, you have to carry an inordinate high amount of, of lean body mass and muscle, or you just can't fucking sprint because you have to be able to decelerate, change the direction, all this other stuff. So it was like those who sprint are more jacked than those that don't sprint. Is there a cutoff point? Is there a cutoff point where like after you sprint for like 20 seconds, you'll have less uh, lean body mass than someone who sprints for like, let's say 90 seconds. No. I mean, I can't, you're not, you're not sprinting for 90, but like, let's call it the 400 meter, maybe like 42. Yeah. But if, <laughs> if you, you know, and, um, you used to run in college, didn't you? Did you run track? I did. Yeah, but I was a distance runner, actually. Um, so my uh, my girlfriend um, ran the 400 and the 800 meters at uh, at Cal, and she was an All-American. Ex-girlfriend? Ex or? Um, I'm sorry, my ex-girlfriend when I was in college. <laughs> All right, I got you, Cal. Don't worry, we're on the same team. <laughs> yeah, uh, cut that out. Um, I, I was thinking but, a lot. I was like, dang. No, yeah. So, so my ex-girlfriend, or my girlfriend at the time, uh, and I just remember... Uh, seeing the physical differences between the, or seeing like, you know, like, like meeting the friends on the track team, seeing the girls that ran like the 1600, the 800, the 400, the 100 and the 200 all had these dramatically different body style or body types. And it just became that like there was uh, like she ran the 400 and the 800, but there were other girls that ran the 800 and the 16. And it just was interesting to see that like, you know, uh, are they naturally selecting for this based on body type or are you just a product of what your training looks like and what the requirements so it was interesting to see the people that were, you know, sub 20 seconds, let's say, uh, were carried more muscle than people that were 40 seconds. And the people that, you know, sprinted for 40 seconds carried more muscle than the people that sprinted for two minutes. So I think the the biggest difference, though, is, is uh, intensity. You know, if you can 
you know, Charlie Francis said, what, to get fast, you got to run faster than 92.5% of your fastest of your, you know, of your time within that. So the only way you get fast is by running fast. Yeah. So. What different types of speed? Um, Ryan, you said college runner. So you were not opposed to working out. So I'm curious, when was your first formal CrossFit workout? Did you go to a gym or you messing around in like a golds with buddies? What was that first exposure like? And did you end up throwing up? All right, so check this out. So I went to, I was on the Olympic skeleton team, which is head first down the bobsled track for probably four, I think four years. And then my fifth year for 2010 Olympic games, I was, I bumped up to become a bobsledder. And that was really my goal. And, uh, you know, I wasn't big enough to be on a two man team, but I was big enough for the four man team. And at the time I weighed about 208. And right now I weigh 180. So I was a lot bigger at the time. How tall are you? Five, five. So I was a big boy. <clears throat> Five, five, so, two, um, That's how Luke likes his women. <laughs> yeah. Four, three, forty. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that, yeah, was so yeah. sexual. All right. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> While I was training in this gym called Basin Recreation Fieldhouse in Park City, Utah, there was always this, like, little dude just, like, always doing all these pull-ups and all this stuff, and he'd always ask me to do this workout that was 21-15-9 with pull-ups and thrusters and all this stuff. Lo and behold, this person's name is Steve uh, – Chris Feeler, sorry – well, the hilarious part is you said little guy. So I'm like, which CrossFitters dude is shorter than 5'5"? Five five? Chris Spieler. You're like, yeah, this little yeah. fucker. But he was not only like, when I say little, was he shorter than me? But he was fucking 118 pounds. He was like nothing. So I thought what he was doing was kind of stupid. I saw the pull-ups and everything, and I was like, oh, yeah, whatever. And um, he would always watch me squat. And like I was, always, I was like squatting 500 for like two or three reps at a time at the time. And then after I went getting injured and all this stuff happened, I got in a snowboard accident, got ACL reconstruction. And then I decided I was going to go in the military because before that I had my helicopter license before I went to school. That was the first thing I did was I went to pilot school before college. And then I went back to school basically just to get my degree to go back into the military and fly as a pilot. So at, after my Olympic career was done, I decided I was going to go into the military like within like the next year. And a lot of friends told me that, you know, you should try CrossFit. It's going to be a good way to get you in shape for basic training and all that. So I was like, all right, cool. So I go down to a gym. Chris didn't have a gym yet. He was just still doing personal training clients in this gym, but he had like four or five people at a time that he was basically doing CrossFit workouts with, but he kind of bothered me. I didn't really like what he was doing. <laughs> so I went down to Salt Lake city and I went to a gym and it was called Ute CrossFit, U-T-E. And it happened to be Tommy Hackenbrook's gym. And my first workout was, uh, was baseline and it was a 500 meter row, 40 air squats, 30 sit-ups, 20 push-ups, 10 pull-ups. And I remember, you know, getting on the rower, never being on a rower before and hitting the 500 meter row as hard as I could. I think I rode like a 125 or something. And then went to those air squats and was like, and Holy imploded. <laughs> yeah. What, what is pacing? <laughs> I still got a really good time with the workout and I still finished like totally fine, but I do remember it being, you know, an experience for sure. And then Tommy came over to me afterwards and he's like, I could use somebody like you to train with. And, you know, within like the next year, I, he had gotten me really excited about competing and all that. And I kind of just put the whole military stuff on hold. So that's kind of how it all started. When did you move to SoCal? Probably within a year after that, because even though I was getting good and I wanted to compete, I still wanted to be in the military. 
And at that time, because I was getting so good at CrossFit and loving the working out, I was like, well, maybe I'll go in the military and be special forces or something instead of a pilot. Or maybe I can go, you know, be a SEAL or be an Army Ranger or something and then apply for, you know, a, a flight option on top of that and then be like a special forces pilot. So I started to like look into the different branches and everything and I decided I wanted to be a SEAL. So then I moved to San Diego purposely because I wanted to train with the SEALs and I did. I went down to Coronado and trained with like a SEAL motivator, it's called. Like every day I'd go run with him and swim. And then I went to regionals for the first time and I got fourth place at regionals and it was top three. So I was only one place from going to the games and obviously it ate away at me. And I was like, I have to see this out. So eventually I just kept doing it over and over and over again. And it kind of took over my life. How's your swimming? Because John and I went, was it 2014? Some, some Reebok won event where all these CrossFitters came up to, to Reebok HQ in Massachusetts and they gave us swim instruction. So John, you were there to teach speed. Yeah, yeah. And then we just jumped into their swim instructor and there was the worst swim. And I'm a bad swimmer. There's the worst swimmers I've ever seen. Yeah. They are uh, really, um, a lot of like, uh, like, Try hard? No, like a lot of like slapping the water. Drowning? And, well, uh, China was a, is a really good swimmer. <laughs> well, but, she but was she, a swimmer. She swam in college. So it was nice to watch and see how efficient she was with her movements and her rotation. The other people were just like smashing the water. Kind of like, um, it reminds me of your, of your lettuce smash. Mm, salad smash. Yeah, the salad smash. Where you just take the, uh, the salad, you smash it in your face. Mm-hmm. Yep. That was similar to their swim style. One full salad in under a minute. Yeah, that was. No brainer. Yeah. So yeah, we, we swam a bunch. Uh, I don't know if Tex swims or he just sinks. Uh huh. But the excess I, body hair keeps you staying afloat. alive. An uncontrolled float. <laughs> what, there was one point the swim instructor came up to me to provide me coaching, and I was honestly like, "I'm okay. I need you to direct your attention towards these athletes that are <laughs> going somewhere." She's like, "Sir, I don't know if I can continue with my life seeing how you're swimming." You're like, "I'll be fine. Don't worry about it. I'm over here." <laughs> I could never really get the, the like a good freestyle swim because I always just felt like I wanted to breathe like every stroke, which is, you know, is great because for the, the military, they only care about this thing called the combat side stroke. Yeah. So like every single time you go under the water, you get to breathe. And I was really, really good at that. So I remember I had to swim like a 500 meter and like, I think it was under nine minutes or something. And I was doing like you know, six and a half or seven minutes with the side stroke. So I was, I was really good at side stroke, but freestyle, you, you made me freestyle with somebody who was really good at swimming and I would just fuck the ground. Well, I mean the, uh, at the games, I mean the people that have a swimming background, usually like they, you know, throw some swim deal and like those guys end up just fucking shattering people. It's kind of like when they, um, uh, years ago at the games where they had, uh, I can't remember who was the dude who was, uh, I think he, he ran the 400 and the 800 at UCLA. And he was in the games and came out and fucking crushed people in the run. I mean, of course, and then like gets cut the next workout. Yeah, I was expecting the games to evolve instead of just set distances, adding new strokes as skills, like different movements. Well, they tried that with the softball throw. And then they realized when, um, you know, people obviously watched Revenge of the Nerds and came out with their, you know, Latero Lamar with his, you know, with his throwing when he went out there for the decathlete and he had the, you know, Worms there's a master in aerodynamics. Yeah. yeah, when they came out there and I think they saw like the change of direction in the softball throw and they're like, ah, let's not put ourselves out there. We just need to make them fucking go up and make down. Make them look good. Yeah. What I, I had a whole list of movements I wanted to see, like lunging before they actually made them lunge, but lunge through water. So like flood the old school stadium at 
uh, whatever that arena was in StubHub StubHub Center. So flood the stadium and lunge through water Mm -hmm. overhead. That would have been awesome. Just... And then are there going to be sharks in there, or like no? Uh, then we add water and ill-tempered make them swim. sea bass with lasers on their heads, <laughs> freaking laser beams. Uh, I like uh, the, the one I, I thought that they could have done at the StubHub Center is they could have come in and uh, actually made ice and had some form of like ice deal where they had to like climb or like do something on uh, on snow or ice. They could have done that. These ideas are terrible. It's a jump to conclusions. Do, do better. What about, what what about bringing ice to Southern California? No, but uh, they did that. Uh, they made ice at the StubHub Center for uh, one th- for uh, some type of like uh, event or something. We're talking about the same venue that would have where people were getting heat stroke at nine in the morning during a Murph. Right, we want to put ice unknown in that. and unknowable. Okay. It's got to be unknown. We'll just put a big tent over it. Well, didn't they fly them to the ranch or something? So, like, flew them to Northern California. I don't know where the ranch is. Well, I think they use that as a way for Glassman to be able to move drugs. So, you know. Conspiracy theory. Yeah. So, I mean, he packed up his clothes, you know, with all his cocaine, and that's how he flew out there. But we'll get the games athletes to go out there. That's how he's using the front. Interesting. That's how I figured, you know. Very elaborate. I always always thought that CrossFit was, was the best cover for action for the CIA and for, like, clandestine, like, drug trafficking because you're sending these small groups of people into foreign countries to teach seminars. Mm-hmm. So like, I mean, wouldn't that be a great way to move foreign operatives and be able to move information and stuff? Absolutely. So. Interesting. Well, now they up the ante with these international competitions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Speaking of the competition, the open and the games, Ryan, do you follow it still? Like, are you plugged in? To what's going on? Absolutely, absolutely not. I have really? absolutely no Shut idea. Shut the fuck up! You, you, I you, swear you, to God, you're like checking I, it every ten I, minutes. I swear to God, I actually haven't even I haven't even watched the games in probably three years. Because uh, we were going to ask you, like, how does it work now? <laughs> <laughs> I do know how it works because okay. I have some athletes who 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 want to be part of it. Yeah, but literally, I swear to God, like like last year or this this past year, people were asking about the standards on the workout, and I was like, fuck, I don't even I don't even fucking know. Yeah, because they were, cause they were like, you know, like what's the standard on this? Like some of the people would ask him, like, hey, ask the ask the coach. I have I have no idea. So so so, the, so bring us up to speed because I know that the open is moved to a different time of year or maybe multiple times. Is that what uh, it is? I think what they did is uh, they. It was just this year. They had uh, yeah. October. It says here on the website October tenth to November eleventh was the open. Open twenty twenty in nineteen. So I missed but, it. So so the games is still the same time of year. It's just. The open is at a different time of the year. So now we have. So the online. the open, you must get top twenty in the world. Actually, no, sorry. In the open, you must get first in your country. So it's kind of Olympic qualifying style. So in America, which is like we have arguably the best athletes, if you don't win the open completely, you don't get to go to the games. Mm. And the only other way that you can qualify now is to go to these sanctional events, mm. which are now like worldwide regionals that you have to pay your own way to get to and then you they take the top three so matt but fraser basically goes and wins them all he wins them all which is good for him because he gets extra cash yeah but when he does when he does win an event they'll, they'll go down the ladder so he's oh. already qualified mm. so now like second third and fourth will get to go but let's just say you know one of those other guys won it for their country then they'll go down even more mm-hmm. um and, and that's how the blacksmith guy, he didn't actually win any of them or get top 20 in the world, but he got to go because of that. Is the, he, 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 he's the guy, he, uh, he, he was a, or he still is an officer. Oh, so he's not a blacksmith. West. You're saying the blacksmith guy. 
Yeah, his last name is Blacksmith. Oh, okay. All right. I was thinking, I was like, wow, and he's a, there's a blacksmith. There's also the golden <laughs> ticket, though, isn't there? Doesn't Greg Glassman have yeah, one golden ticket? I think he called it the blowhard a year award, <laughs> and they gave it to uh, Ryan Buddy uh, uh, Hunter, the adventure racer. Hunter right? McIntyre, yeah. Which, I, dude, I was pulling for him. I thought it was fucking awesome. Like, oh, how, man, one, how... I, I, I loved how he, how he stalked CrossFit and, like, got them to, like, fucking give him that. And I was like, I hope this fucking guy wins it all. And that yeah, was, he talked yeah. so much shit. It was amazing. It and was I was great. like, dude, I, I really hope you get to back it up. And, like, he, he honestly could have done so much better. He just, I think the nerves of being out there with all the people, because I, I sat there and, like, was on the sidelines, like, doing camera stuff. But his coach had been coaching him all year. And his coach didn't fucking tell him how to do a goddamn legless rope climb. So it's like legless rope climbs, running, and snatches. And this guy is doing, like, basically L-sit fucking legless rope climbs. And he's just, like, killing himself and instead of understanding how to kip. And he just trashed himself, and he just got cut. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there, there's a lot of technique and experience. And I think uh, um, the people that are smart go back and they do the previous game's workouts, and they all know, I mean, their skills. I mean, you remember when the pegboard came out? And, I mean, they, they always throw some new wrinkle at everything. And, um, oh, but I, yeah, I, I do. I love the fact that, that he got golden ticketed in and talked as much shit as he could, which I, I, I thought is awesome. I mean, uh, like he was the best thing for the sport in a very long time. Yeah. In my and, opinion, yeah. And he's a, uh, like a Spartan racer, right? Yep. And he's like a fucking real life, like Ricky Bobby, like the motherfucker is so ridiculous. Like I've, I've gone out with him and, and like the way that he dresses and all this ridiculousness, like that's his everyday life. He's out of control. He's explain. So funny. I don't know. Like, explain. Uh, Luke's like, ah, I think I found a kindred spirit. <laughs> I think so. But this no, guy will show. He'll show up in like, just <laughs> wearing like a full onesie with like a wig, like to your house, and you'll just be like, uh, "Are we going to a costume party?" And he'll be like, "What? I, I don't understand." <laughs> and then like, and and like he'll go out and like wear these ridiculous glasses, different shirts, like all this crazy shit. And I mean. Girls fucking love him. Like, oh, it doesn't yeah. matter what he wears. Peacocking. He just kills it. Uh, yeah, dude, he, he called the McQuilkin around here. He, 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 uh, he, he probably read uh, Neil Strauss's um, The Game. Man, yeah, he's out there throwing the peacock vibe out. Good for him. Mm-hmm. Well, I've gone out with him a few times, and it works incredibly well. Like, we've gone shopping together. He's like, this is what you're going to wear. And I'm like, dude, I can't fucking wear that. You're like, <laughs> <And> then, <laughs> you're like dude, you dress me like an Oompa Loompa. This isn't funny. <laughs> But he was like, dude, I fucking promise you, just wear this outfit. And he gives me, like, this, like, see-through fucking leopard shirt. We're in Miami Beach. And, like, it's, like, this <laughs> see-through, like, leopard shirt. That shit works shirt. down there. Dude, it was insane how many, how many like, my performance that day was, was very good. It was strong. <laughs> You're like, I, I 2159 to PR. It was great. <laughs> Yeah, twenty one fifty nine of uh, uh, fucking drinks at Mango's on South Beach. You ever been to Mango's? On, the, on uh, South Beach, right on the A1A? Oh, God, that's one of my favorite places. Clevelander is uh, one of my favorites. Dude, I love the Clevelander, but Mangoes is hilarious because those chicks wear the spandex uh, outfits with, like, the huge bell bottoms, and they're, like, these last... You, you, you've been to Mangoes. I, I have, but I would have to, like, consciously do that. Dude, Tony Gonzalez and Toby's, uh, Toby Gonzalez's favorite place in the world is Mangoes. They'd be like, we got to go to Mangoes. And to this day, like... Ex- yeah. It's an ex-NFL player that owned it, right? Uh... Maybe there could be some truth yeah. in that. I just I don't remember that. But now that you said that, that seems very very familiar to us. But we used to stay 
at um, it was the Clevelander was right next to Mangos, so we used to always stay at the Clevelander or the Delano or. Um, oh, man. oh, yep, I've definitely been here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is the best. I uh, love Mangos. Yeah, I remember this balcony yeah, and then yeah. the stage. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's no, great. And were you also wearing see-through leopard T-shirt? No, we went there for a lacrosse tournament and just yeah went wild on South Beach for a mm. couple of days. Ah, South Beach is a great time. It's a good times, bros. I don't know how I feel about Miami. I actually have to go to Miami tomorrow. I'm going to, to Waterpalooza tomorrow. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. So I pulled up the sanctionals, I think they're called. These cities are all pretty freaking awesome. What, all the cities that they're having the sanctions in? Yeah. How, like, ma- how many sanctioned events do they have? Ooh, this is maybe 30 to 50. Wow. So, no, not that many. No, it's maybe 20. I was going to say, there can't be yeah. that many. I'm just scrolling through, but... Uh, Paulo, Sao Paulo, Brazil, Queensland, yep. Sao Paulo, Norway, Del Mar. I, I don't know anything about Del Mar, but uh, Berlin, Iceland, Cairo, Italy, Cairo, oh, yeah. two bad. China, two China events. I don't know if those are going down. Uh, Columbus, Ohio. Uh, it's crazy that the coronavirus is sponsoring them all. <laughs> Corona <laughs> is sponsoring the. <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> And. There's one in Mexico City, huh? Yeah, there's oh. one a week before the games in Mexico. That's like the last a week? shot. That's a Jesus. Yeah. The crazy part though is you can't fly into Mexico City. You have to drive from Tijuana in a taxi to get there. And if is you that survive, part the, that's, that part that's, of the competition. That's, that's part of the competition. <laughs> Make like, it to Mexico what, City. What was that TV show like? Amazing Race, where you were like partnered up and they gave you just. I think it's called the Amazing clue. Race. Is that it? <laughs> okay, yeah, I think it's called. <laughs> But that, what's that amazing I, was, show? I was literally thinking the same thing. I'm like, that fucking is the amazing race. It's called, it's called the amazing race. So if I were to redo the CrossFit Games team competition. I'm like where you're going. It would have to be like, hey, start in SoCal and you got to make your way to Madison, Wisconsin and like on three clues and three dollars. Yeah. That's what I would do. Well, clearly we know Fisher's route would be uh, stripper. That ramps up your budget real quick. One night of stripping, boom, Vegas. You, got, you got first class tickets to Madison. Probably two hours. I figure like a guy like Ryan could pull first class tickets. I was almost a gay stripper too, if I may add that. Wow, that's where straight stripper, uh, male strippers don't make a lot of money. Gay yeah, so. male strippers make a ton of money. That's, That's what I was getting at. It's basically <laughs> funny the entire trip, obviously. Yeah, you're like, you're like, how do you think I opened chalk? <laughs> I'm still not sure I made the right choice or not, but I think I did. <laughs> You're like, ah, so easy. Oh, the spoils. <laughs> the spoils you could have endured. Oh, man. <laughs> so what else is going on, Ryan? Obviously, you got chalk. I mean, we, we're, we're aware of what you're doing online as well. I mean, it sounds like you're yep. still uh, hopping around, going to some of the CrossFit events, at least Wadapalooza. What do you, what do you got going on down there? Content um, or so athletes? It's, it's basically just the podcast. And uh, I, I've gone back and forth with how much I like the podcast or not. Sometimes I'm like, fuck, I don't want to put this time in. I don't want to have to travel because I very rarely do podcasts like this. Actually, I don't think I ever have. I'll do someone else uh, o- over the phone, but I love to be there in person. And it's the, the, it's funny, like the, the more I hate doing it, the more I like wind up meeting people that I absolutely love. And I know that the, I would never have met them if it wasn't for the podcast. So then I start to, you know, go in these little waves where I get really excited to go. So like something like Wadapalooza, I'll be, I don't have anybody on my schedule. I don't even have a flight to leave yet. I just, a one-way ticket there. And I just 
I get there and I just make the most of it and I'm excited to kind of see how it turns out. But I usually get a couple people on there that I'm, you know, changes my life and I get really excited about it. So that's pretty much what we're going into. Yeah. I've never been to Wadapalooza. I know you guys haven't, but uh, every time I see the pictures, looks fucking awesome. Like, uh, it actually they, is my, it's my favorite event by far. Yeah. I mean, I, I know they have it down on the waterfront and it's, uh, I mean, shit, you get girls training in like, you know, basically lingerie, which mm-hmm. I'm never yep. upset about. Yeah. On then, Sunday, we pretty much everybody goes to that really famous strip club. I forget what it's called, but chalk. I remember like last year. Uh, <laughs> chalk, chalk, CrossFit Chalk? Uh, uh, the Gold Club? It's in downtown. I can't remember exactly what it's called, but like you see everybody there. I remember seeing like Neil Maddox last year. He had like 51s and he's just like throwing it on this stripper's butt. I'm like, fuck yeah. <laughs> <sighs> We got to go. <laughs> oh, you silly little CrossFitters. I know. 51s. Oh, I know. You guys need to go there with NFL players that are, you know, hungry. No, you don't, because then you don't get any. Like, <laughs> don't, don't go with anyone over six foot. It's terrible. <laughs> uh, God, I, I wonder what uh, downtown, I mean, they, they got like pure platinum. They got so many strip clubs in Miami. But, um, yeah, the one that, you know, I always heard was really good was uh, the Gold Club. Heard. Heard. Yeah, I mean, that's what back, I read. Yeah. yeah. Ex-girlfriend. That, back in the <laughs> day. <laughs> that could uh, be the one. This this one is, it's, it's humongous, and it's like a show. Like, this one girl is, like, coming down from the ceiling unraveled in, like, the fucking suspended dude. cloth thing, and she's butt <sighs> naked, and then, yeah. like, there's, people can drink there. I don't know. It was crazy. No, it's uh, uh, Miami. I mean, um, so I lived in Tampa when I played for the Eagles. And then one offseason, I went down to Miami and rented a place on 17th and James in South Beach. And uh, I ended up coming back to Tampa to come back because I realized I'm not going to survive in fucking <laughs> Miami, South Beach. It was crazy. Like, I met a whole bunch of people and everybody partied. Like, nobody worked. And everybody was like, had money and was good looking. And I'm like, what the fuck do all these people do other than just get fucking hammered and go out to dinner and have, live these glorious lives? And I had a thought of like either they're, you know, drug dealers or strippers or, you know, trust fund kids and probably a combination. And then I was like, this is surely a one way ticket out of the NFL. I'm going to go back to Tampa yeah. and, and fucking let Rafael Ruiz kill me. So, yeah, it no, sounds like I, Newport, Newport Beach. <laughs> I, yeah. I, lo- I loved it. It was um, the thing which was cool about Miami, especially the South Beach area is like, Everything stays open late. It's not like, you know, everywhere else where it's like 8 o'clock, like, oh, it's too late. We can't even go to dinner. Like, all those places are kind of Latin-infused. So, like, you know, you can get a, um, you know, reservation at 1230, 1 a.m. You know, we'd go to, uh, like, Prime 112 at, like, 1 in the morning. Oh, so great. I love it. And you just walk out to the beach in the middle of the night. So so I pulled up Wadapalooza website, and this surprised me a little. It says Wadapalooza CrossFit Festival. And I remember yep. a time in which they were very against these things being associated with their brand. Well, it's a festival, not a competition. Well, oh, is that the maybe? No, but I mean, but uh, now it's a licensed well, sing- sectional. Yeah. yeah. So, so what I think is a lot of the stuff that CrossFit was super cunty about in the beginning has since come to pass. Like, you remember how they didn't want independent media outlets? Like, you remember Armin was running around. They were trying to, like, boot him out because he was doing stuff. And this is years ago. And then what happens? They get rid of the media department and they empower all these other media departments or, like, uh, independent stuff. Or they, um, you know, they hated these, uh, these Wadapalooza things. And then all of a sudden they realized, oh, shit, we should use these sanctions. And then they sanctioned their names. So it's pretty amazing that... Uh, well, now it's all free. The media is free. The, yeah. the venue is free. Now they're just banking even more. 
Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's, um, and I know those guys play a probably pretty big vig to CrossFit to be able to hold the sanctioned event. So SP has got one. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, uh, it makes sense. I mean, and I'll, I, I think the other thing that you get is when you bring in people and like, Hey, the guy that runs Wadapalooza, um, he runs this one event and he wants to make a killer event. Whereas I think when you have like the CrossFit game staff, that's trying to run all these regionals and doing that, I just think that yeah, the experience constrained and, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah just, just let somebody come in and this is what I do. This is my one event and I'm going to fucking slay it. And uh, I think yeah. that's a better model. And they built. I'm sure they've built up their network locally to help, like build the infrastructure that you can never have remotely, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the other one I, I think, which is cool too, is I'm sure that they uh, they pay, and maybe they do. I don't know, Ryan. You'd know this better than I. But like, I would imagine, like if you're Wadapalooza, you're probably a pretty big event. But I wonder if some of the smaller events pay athletes to show up. Like, hey, like you know, if we can get these big headliners here, we'll sell more tickets. And I don't know, maybe these guys are making money that way. <laughs> I do know for some of the events that definitely is the case because like Frazier doesn't have to show up obviously after he's already qualified. And I, I think that he would prefer not to compete again just to uh, lower the risk of any sort of injury. So I assume that that's the case, but I don't think it would ever disclose any of that stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, it seems it just it, it makes sense to me when I see a guy show up and fly yeah. around and do it unless he's doing it just to fucking go, you know, cut, but cut I also off don't heads. Think, like, I don't think there's anything wrong with paying people to like paying talent to get out there. Not at all. For, well, for the talent to accept the cash to get out there. Well, right? they, like, well they should. I mean, I, yeah, I, totally. I feel like I'm not saying anything's wrong with it. I think they should get paid to get out there. And if you're a Matt Frazier, they should pay you to show up because people are showing up to see you compete. And, um, I think anything else is, uh, you know, it's not smart business, but, yeah. you know, but also I, I think for a lot of those guys, uh, you know, you can do so much training in the gym, but you got to step on a competition sure. floor. You got to do a live scrimmage. Mm-hmm. And you know these guys get a ton of opportunities. Uh, I just and wonder a- if it's creating like like we saw like a trajectory with the games, and then um, obviously Gre- uh, Glassman trying to auger it in the side of the hill with you know all the changes. I just wonder like what does this thing look like in a couple of years? I don't know. I don't think it looks like anything. I just I feel like it's gonna fall apart eventually. Um, they should have packaged it up and sold it off when it was big. And I let think somebody so. else take it. I mean, you have people just like, I mean, they had to have been making tens of millions of dollars just on the open. And now it has to be significantly less. I mean, nobody in my gym even wants to sign up for it. Because now the, the chance of you making it to regionals now is like literally impossible because you need to beat fucking Matt Frazier. <laughs> Who you wins have to, the open and then goes and wins off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you have to beat him because you're not going to go win a sanctional. So you have to try to win your country. And now you just can't, you can't do it. So now he basically bumped out everybody in the in the op- in the open and now because they're not in the open they're like less part of it so now they feel like less inclined to fly out to madison to go watch the games and then or watch it online i don't know it's just to me it feels so much more disconnected but i have people in my gym that are equally as connected to it as i as i was when i was 26 or 27 i just have, don't have know on a large scale have you ever been out to madison I, I just went there last year or this past year how was it in comparison I actually liked it a lot. It's a much smaller venue, but the, the area of Madison is a, a great little city and it's a good time of year where it's actually warm and pretty and you can go on the lake and paddleboard and there's, they have like little, little like mini boot camp classes and stuff like on these like barges, like in the middle of the, in the bay, like where they'll have like a Reebok, like little bodyweight workout or with kettlebells. It's like on like, like a little platform floating. It's really cool. I think the whole venue is really dope. It's just, it's just much smaller. Like when you're in California, you might walk a fucking mile to like the next event. It's not like that. 
Oh, it's probably a pretty good move. I mean, and, and then also I know the tough part about L.A. was uh, them trying to do all this, like, fucking Santa Monica here and, like, you know, going around, as you know, L.A. traffic. Like, it could be oh. it, it could be fucking yeah, yeah. four hours to go three, you know, three miles. So I know that there was a huge issue they had where they were trying to add all this, like, location complexity, you know. I mean, Big D, but Castro wants all this complexity, and I just don't think that it works necessarily in practical travel terms. Well, you also have less gyms nowadays, too. So now you have less... I don't know if you have less athletes or not. Maybe the shitty ones close and they all just gravitate towards another gym. But I mean, we've closed a lot of gyms around here, as you know, as when you come and visit, there's not as many around. Yeah. So what's the state up there? I think it's, I haven't been back. I, I think it's chalk fit or chalk and CrossFit Balboa. I mean, I, I know there's still CrossFit second chance. Close uh, to Mesa. Yeah. Where, uh, uh, Jake who used to work for me runs that place now. Um, but, but that's still a thing. What? Second chance. I, I would imagine last time I was there, I, I fucking drove by and I was Maybe like, Maybe they're oh. on their third I was like, uh, chance. Well, I think the ownership's <laughs> sold a couple times because I think that Jilly chick opened it and then I think it's, it's changed hands. So it's pretty funny. It's second yeah. chance. Maybe they just keep selling it to people as their second chance. Yeah. They changed it to Axis and then it got bought again and it was Axis again and it was then it was three girl owners and then it broke and then I think it's just gone now. Okay. Is there a place up by Hurley? Like, what is that? Placentia? No, there's... Didn't the gym the Upgrade? Open? It yeah. used to be called Upgrade. No, that went out of business. And then uh, Newport yeah, yeah. Beach went out of business when their owner... That was great. The owner got caught uh, by his wife cheating with one of the clients. And they basically, she, she pulled this on a Friday and the gym was closed on a Monday. And all the people showed up and were like, now what do we do? And I'm sure, you know, went you to guys, yeah, they went to Chalk or they went to Balboa. And I know Ben... I told Ben, I'm like, you know, it's kind of like, um, you know, there's a couple different marketing strategies. You can go out, you can actively get people, or you can just hope to be the Highlander when there's just no other options. <laughs> and he's like, I like that option. I'm like, that's not a fucking option, <laughs> you know? Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, there was, um, God, what, what else was there? That uh, There was a place on 19th that was just, or, um, God, you remember as we were, as you crossed over 19th, mm-hmm. remember as you were going down on the right, that was upgrade. And then they moved to the corner of uh, yeah. Placentia. Yeah. Most important is Super Pollo still there? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, Super Pollo. Is- <laughs> Everything's still there. Las Mañanitas. Um, unless when um, they they did change the bank on the corner of uh, Irvine. Uh, no, not it's not Irvine. It's um, it might be Irvine. Uh, they changed that to like this like chicken place right over near Metrics. Mm. We have a lot of good places to eat now. Dude, but like, the best uh, part is, is mm-hmm. last time I was there, I pull up right at the light and I look over and I see your walrus, dad. I see your dad, the walrus, still oh, sitting over there by fucking... Big belly sunbathing walrus. Dude, you Man, know... Uh, by 7-Eleven? Yeah, by 7-Eleven, you know where... Uh, oh my God, I know uh, this flame guy. Broiler. So, so where Flame oh, Broiler yeah. is, there's that dude the that 7-Eleven. Yeah, he lays right on that hill. Luke, crushes like, naps <laughs> all day, building up the best belly tan. He, oh. He's so tan and he's... he's He's living. I mean, we've seen him for years. CrossFit second yeah. chance. And, uh, and then like, and like, Luke could be like, I saw the walrus. Uh-huh. Just living it. Man. That's a good analogy for that guy. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. He's been living, he's been living pretty healthy. Cause I mean, he's been fat for as long as I've known oh, him. Dude, dude. What's crazy is like where he lays, it's, he lays there so much and it's on grass. 
that it's a dirt patch. Oh, yeah, no. Like, he, he's worked himself <laughs> into a dirt patch. No grass. so much. Yeah, no grass. The guy's sleep hygiene's yeah. got to be killer. It's, well, he, it's right I in mean, between the Costa Mesa sign and the bus stop. Yeah. And he just hangs out right Dude. there in that little nook. I'm with you, man. Like, like as soon as I pulled up, I, I like, you know, and we moved, what, three years ago. So, like, I'm driving down 17th. I stop, and instantly I look right to the right, and I'm like, yep, he's still there. Nothing's changed. <laughs> Stacking up his 18 hours a day of sleep. Like, dude, it makes you wonder. Uh, I, uh, uh, yeah, and then, uh, dude, I, 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 like, totally hit my old route. I, like, made it right, went in, got my little meal at Flame, uh, Flame Broiler, went back, and I was, like, uh, went to Mendocino Farms. I, like, hit all the normal oh, yeah, spots right. when you get a Pete's. Uh, it's mm-hmm. pretty funny to go back and, uh, my mom's like, all you're doing is driving around and hitting all your favorite food spots. I'm like, yeah, we're, we're going to go to Sprouts. We got to do all of our stuff. Yeah, man. That, that is one thing I do miss about SoCal was for sure. Like the, the little, the little pop oh, yeah. in joints that you, there's just tons and tons of options. Uh, dude, I remember our big belly deli. We used to roll oh, in there oh, and get dude. that fucking corned yeah, beef. Uh-huh. Uh, God damn. There's no good sandwich well, now we places. Have- the whole Lido Marina Village now is all redone. We have all these cool places to eat yep. there, all these cool coffee shops. There's this new place called Hana House where you can work like a WeWork. Sweet. Nice. It's, uh, and and that's on Lido? Cool and that's on yep. Lido now? Wow. Yep. You know, my uh, my mom bought a, a house like right over by the high school, like behind the church, you know, on, um, fuck, I think that's, T- is that Tustin or Irvine? That's Irvine. So she's in um, in the Heights, like, you know, where the Newport Harbor is. Like, you know, yep. there's a church across. She lives back kind of back in there. So she just sold her house and moved there. And so, yeah, when I went and visited her, I was like driving around. I'm like, it, it, you know, it's so familiar. I'm like, I like you almost like get in the car and it's, you turn into autopilot. And I'm like, oh, my God, I like found myself at my old house. I'm like, oh, shit, let's turn around. Now that most of my stuff is online, like I always I, I think about it every single day. I'm like, is this where I want to live forever? Mm. And I travel and like everywhere I travel, I'm always like, I'm not just there like working. I'm always like, could I, I live here? Like I look around, like, you know, like I, Dude, I drive we the around. Exact, we do the exact same thing everywhere we've ever traveled. I'm always like, could we live here? Yeah. And yeah. so Ryan, what's your top five? I love this question because I was going to ask you guys the same thing, but does it have to be in the States or could I say no, anywhere? No, world, anywhere. World, Mr. Worldwide. Start calling you Pitbull. Okay. So <laughs> I think my top five would be, uh, man, I think, Right now, if I had to move anywhere, I could move anywhere I want in the world. I would probably pick probably Portugal or Switzerland. Mm. Those two are pretty pretty rad. So in Portugal, there's a city called Lisbon, which is a mm-hmm. you know super historic city. They have like the most picturesque like cobblestone streets I've ever seen. They have like these little like crazy little villages that have these just amazing little corners and stuff. And it was made like that way back in the day because soldiers would get lost in there and the locals knew where they were at and they would just kill them all. Like when they come around the corner, like you actually look up your Airbnb and the Airbnb starts fucking spinning around. has no idea where you're at. Wow. So it's like these really cool, like a, a really cool, like medieval old school city. Everything's very, very inexpensive. Like five star hotels, there are like a hundred bucks. And then to drive like 30 minutes in any direction, you were at like one of the most amazing beach towns you've like ever been in. And it's just a really, really cool place. There's also a place north of that called San Sebastian, Spain, which is just mm-hmm. under the border of France. Yep. And what yeah, I like nice. about that, yeah, what I like about that place a lot is it's one of the few places on earth where you have a giant mountain that immediately turns into a, a city, which immediately is on the beach. So within probably a 15 minute drive, you could mountain bike, shop at Louis Vuitton, and then take a dip in the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, 
all right there. And I was like, man, that's really rad. It's kind of like what we have here in California, except the mountain is like exponentially closer. And uh, I think that vibe is really cool. And you're also 15 minutes away from like really cool surf spots in France, like Southern France, you're like right on the border. I think Portugal and that place in Spain, I also really like, uh, it's called, it's in Switzerland, it's called, uh, oh man, it's like, it's like a, it's like a little sports hub. It's like the number one capital of the world of adventure. And you can kind of put off on like five, 10 minute trains and just go into these little villages that are just the most amazing thing you'd ever seen in your life. So those are three. Um, I don't know. I think those are like my, I think that would be my top three. <laughs> New Jersey's where I'm from. New Jersey's where I'm lovely. from. That would be probably at the bottom of my list. Yeah. I, I, I lived in New Jersey and uh, I can agree with it's you. It's a lovely that. accent, John. Hey, what is that? New Jersey? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I always think about that. Everywhere I go is always like a uh, opportunity for me to understand if I could live there or not. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's something I think about every day. I still think about it every day. And I, and I'll go on a bike ride here or do something cool that I really enjoy. And I'm like, fuck, this is the greatest place on earth. But then I think that the big thing that, bums me out here is I never meet anybody like really my age who's like kind of you know entrepreneur-esque and like they're into you know these types of like online things or in the fitness business or fuck the women in general just aren't really motivated to do anything except spend your money or something something along those lines yeah well I mean it's it's (laughs) It's Uh, sad but it's like it is true man it's just there's a certain different mindset well the 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 amount of money that it takes to live in Newport Beach just to like live in the area to own a home in this just lends claim to people not your you know not your age I mean for me I was in a little bit different deal as an NFL player but Mm it's just like all my neighbors and people you're like there's weren't that many young people. And, um, but yeah, no, I, I, we, we've always said that, like whenever we travel somewhere, I'm always like, could I live in this place? And, uh, um, I'll tell you, um, my top three would be, um, New Zealand. I loved New Zealand. I, I would live there in a heartbeat. The other one was Japan. I went to Osaka and oh, Tokyo and I thought Japan, Japan is- was the coolest fucking place. It's one of the only places I've been. I'm like, I could live here today and live here for the rest of my life. Um, Oh wow. What yeah, city thought, were you in where you like really loved it? Uh, Osaka. So okay. uh, I thought Osaka was incredible. Um, the thing, like, it, it just, what was so amazing about Japan was, uh, like, people's kind of, like, level of, like, care for others. Like, 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 for example, we were walking around, we went to Starbucks, I got a coffee, and as I was got done, I was, you know, looking around for a trash can, and I couldn't find a trash can. And I'm like, where the hell are the trash cans? So I asked Rick, and I'm like, Rick, where's the trash can? He's like, oh, they had a, a poison gas scare, so they got rid of all the trash cans. And I'm like, where do people put the trash? He's like, they take it home and throw it away. I looked on, and there wasn't a single shred of trash anywhere on the streets. And uh, he's like, yeah, if you were to litter, he goes, that would be um, insulting and putting, you'd, you'd be like, you know, putting that shit on other people. And they don't do that here. They're very conscious. So, like when you see people with masks on, it's not because they don't want to get sick. They're sick and they don't want to get you sick. So like, uh, we, it just like a really interesting like level of, uh, of just care and understanding. And I just really liked the tradition and the food. And it just was, um, it was so neat. Just, and the fact that everybody took their shoes off before they went inside, which is, uh, you know, I don't wear shoes inside and I'm sure you guys don't either. Um, just that level of stuff of like, take your shoes off, respect other people's, uh, place I thought was killer, but, uh, New Zealand would be That's the like other the top one. top of my list. Yeah. And then, uh, Japan's yeah. top of my list right now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, New Zealand, I really, um, 
Australia, I don't know as much. I liked New Zealand. Uh, it just had such a killer vibe. Yeah. And then, um, man, I would probably have to say like either Spain or Portugal somewhere in there. I really, uh, I really enjoyed Madrid and I liked, um, um, uh, Barcelona and some of the other spots. I just, I, th- I thought they were so cool down on the med. I mean, that'd be a really cool place. What about you guys? My number one, Belfast. Been went to three seminars there and just love the city, even though it's technically rivals of my people. But no, it was a beautiful Whoa, time. Oh, the little people, eh? Yeah. It, no, it was a beautiful time. And Lexington, Kentucky. I always enjoyed company there, but it really? could have been Matt Sharp, who mm-hmm. was a great host. What about Tampa? Oh, Tampa is in my top five for the U.S. Dude, uh, Tampa is one of the yeah. uh, is one of the old, is one of the cities where I was like, oh, if you had to, if if you couldn't live anywhere in California or Texas, I probably have picked uh, either Nashville or Tampa. Yeah, and it's my I love humidity, so I'm right in there at home at Tampa. Well, it's, it helps your hair. Yeah, it's Houston, Tampa, and D.C. <laughs> I love the humidity. I've still never been to Nashville. Ooh. Yeah, yeah I did good, like Nashville. It's a good visit. It's a good mm-hmm. visit. We went to the Johnny Cash Museum last time. Right? That's right. And I did look up the smallest countries in the world to up your CrossFit opportunity, Luke. Mm. So we got the Vatican. We got <laughs> Monaco in France. Namibia. Uh, San Marino Luxembourg. in Italy. A Liechtenstein in Switzerland. Oh, yeah, Liechtenstein. Yeah, and the Maldives. Mm. Oh. Mm-hmm. So, Maldives. I always wanted to go there. But we can move there and win the games. <laughs> I'm trying to think if I were to, like, what would it have to, like, where would we have to be for to be able to pull the ripcord and live internationally? Because I do think that drastically affects where I would go. You know what I mean? What do you mean? Uh, well, like, if I had to main, if I had to run a business still, like, for example, I love the Latin, whenever we'd go to Latin America country, like Central America or South America, I like, dude, I've loved Colombia. But one thing what I, what about an, I was say, what about an offshore? What about an offshore banking place like Montenegro or something like that? Well, uh, um, what I liked, and not to cut you off, but like uh, Florinopolis and then southern Brazil and Argentina when we were there, man, I thought that was beautiful. Yes, too. and Argentina, Uruguay, like. Uh, but the thing is that as you talk to those business gym owners, they, like they gotta pay, they pay the vig for the local mob, and yeah. then they pay the vig for the cops, and like there's a whole cultural underbelly that I don't quite understand. As an expat, you're gonna roll in and be like, ah. So quick for you, Ryan, Montenegro is the 41st smallest country in the world. So if you're looking to get back to the games. Yeah, we got you. We'll sponsor it. We'll Does visit. Montenegro even have a CrossFit gym? It's a CrossFit Montenegro? I, Sounds like a blue market, hands. baby. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get in there. Hold um, on. Uh, buy that on GoDaddy. <laughs> Montene- uh, well, you can't do CrossFits after locations anymore. Now, you can't name your gym. Like, you can't? No. Uh, isn't no when you cross codes. international waters, you can do whatever you want? Possibly. I don't know what the... That's a good point. But I think, uh, and then also just, man, Indonesia sounds really cool to live in. Like, I'm just thinking of really dirt cheap places that, like, uh, I, are, are you, you know, I've heard Western people friendly? always talk about how great Bali is, and then mm-hmm. I've had a bunch of people go there and be like, it's the biggest shithole on the planet. I kind of like that, though, as you know. <laughs> um, Those are my top two. Right now, Bali and Japan are my top two places I want to go. Yeah, and so I, and then, uh, even, have, have you been to Bali? I haven't, but my yeah. friend owns that gym there and he invites me all the time. Who, uh, who's that, Dave Driscoll? Yep. Yeah, yeah. He, what, what's that, like CrossFit, Wanderlust or something? Yep. And it's yeah. like he makes it bigger and bigger and bigger, and it's insane. It sounds like we just, just committed to a on site Bali follow up recording. Ooh. 
podcast collaboration with uh, Power Athlete Radio and and, uh, and Barbell Shrugged. Uh huh. Let's make mm, it happen. I like it. Yeah. Okay, I'm always I'm I'm down to travel whenever everybody. Right, book it Friday. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's in Miami. Oh, uh, never mind. Oh, we'll sorry. Well, uh-huh. We'll meet you in Miami and we'll leave I can, from there. I can leave on Friday. <laughs> God damn you! Oh my god. But U.S. Uh, I've thought about that in the U.S., John, because we, when we traveled, for me, Austin was a big win yeah. on any of the times we traveled in the states. Um, I don't have the same vibe with Tampa. Not gonna lie to you. God, I love well, Tampa. I mean, you slept in that woman's that might be it was it when you killed your roommate no she died I, of natural causes i had an alibi luke uh, <laughs> i was in katie texas with john wellborn john confirm <laughs> uh, ryan quick story i was down working with john's ex nfl strength and conditioning coach and airb not airbnb like craigslist at a room for 250 bucks in this 50 year old woman's house for like a three month or six three, month or something like that uh Four month, four month, and then twenty two days into me living with her, I was out working a seminar and fly back, go to sleep, and then wake up the next morning and come back for lunch. And her whole family's there because she passed away during the weekend. Holy and, uh, shit! Oh, it, the it gets better. There's a different kind of redneck in Tampa. I'll tell you that much. Hillbillies. So the Pete Domino's pizza delivery man like would deliver this woman, and they started dating. But then everything in her will was left to her ex-boyfriend. So then I'm the only person watching this house technically. And I had the, the trustee come in and change the locks and talk to me about like managing and taking care of the house. And then you had this pizza delivery boy like trying to get in, but the locks were changed. And he's like uh, just yelling because my car's outside and like telling me to open up the door because he's got to get something. And it was I was caught in the middle of this redneck soap opera ridiculousness. Wow. And the dude, the trustee, just let me stay in it because he didn't want to worry about the house. So I got to rent the rest of the home, the whole home, for 250 bucks. I thought you told me you paid every, I, I paid everything up front. Oh, no, I should have. <laughs> I'm a terrible uh, liar. <laughs> McCook was kind enough, Ryan, to invite his pal, me, out to visit him and experience a, a couple days of his work there in the League Probably of Shadows. A full week. Mm-hmm. It was a week, was it? I That's think right. so. I did send you out yeah. there for League and of Shadows. So, and I'm like, well, where am I going to crash? He's like, I got it. I got you. I got an extra room. So I show up. I'm like, is this the dead lady's room? Yeah, and you're like, like, yeah. Yeah, you're good. I'm like, have you washed the sheets? He's like, I don't know. I'm like, well, whatever. So you so you slept? No <laughs> fucking way. You slept just, in that bed? Yeah, 100%. It was slept like there a baby. There is no chance of me <laughs> no, sleeping in that bed. No, like no, no, a no, no. baby. No. Me, me either, dude. There's no fucking way. I'd be like, no, no way. Yeah. Fetal position it'd, on the floor like right next to grandma's boy when she was like, I shouldn't, I shouldn't say no problem. Like it was not the most, like I did not feel good about it. But we were on, we were on for 12 hours. Did you still wake up excited like you would in your normal bed? That's the question. Yes, I guess. You know what I mean? Like that's just hormones. But um, no, and to so be honest with you, I'm like, you know what? She's probably looking down. She's like a hunky dude in her bed. And Cranking she's it. Like, she's in. And here's also why I'm not a big fan of uh, Florida. She's in. There is a documentary I watched many years ago. It was on Vimeo. So this isn't even like Netflix or anything like that called Florida Man. Look up Google Florida Man. And man, it's just like going back to what you guys were saying about the... Um, there's just another caliber of human in Florida. Well, they say the farther south or the farther north you go in Florida, the farther south you get. 
And I remember when I moved to Clearwater Beach, like we were there like a couple days and I like, they had like a causeway, like a beach. So I took my dog down there to run in the beach as he's running. Like there are these like hillbillies with like their pickup trucks and they're like got these like crazy ass, badass, like uh, fucking dog fighting pit bulls out there. My little puppy runs over and they fucking literally like were on him and I like had to rescue him and like pull him out. And these dudes are like four teeth between them, you know, trucks on like 44 mutters. And I'm just like, oh, fuck this guy. Uh, I couldn't find it, Luke, but this website caught me 60 times Florida man outdoes himself. And it's like these newspaper headlines. <laughs> Ridiculous. Florida man suspected of using private plane to draw giant radar penis. <laughs> oh, it's, my like a, God. it's like an over bird's eye view of a map and then like a flight path that traces out a penis. Nice. Florida man charged. A oh, real quick one, Ryan. Florida man charged with assault with a deadly weapon by throwing an alligator through a Wendy's drive through window. Yeah. Well, wow. you know, if you ever that's... see crazy shit on Instagram, it's usually like we'll see it and be like, oh, yeah, that's in Florida. 100%. Yeah. Wow. But I did like living in Tampa. Right shit you don't see in Newport Beach. That's the truth to that. So they get rid of the riffraff. But, not a lot of uh, okay, so Newport where would you live? Let's get to this. Like all overall, yeah. I I I like the idea of man, um, Ireland or or Great Britain. I, I doubt London. Manchester is pretty cool. London just seems like a, a a mess. I don't know the area well enough, but just in general, that region I enjoyed, right? Um, and then, yeah, man, I like maybe a Costa Rica. Mm. You know, like something that is friendly to the to the U.S. citizen. I always, but I enjoy the the Latin countries. And then I didn't spend enough time in Spain. But what you're talking about over there, Ryan, I'm, I think I get on board with, man. Yeah, no yeah San nice. Sebastian's really cool. Mm-hmm. Great yeah, place for sure. Yeah, any anything like in those uh, like Spain, Portugal, all that stuff down on the Med is so nice. Like Barcelona, unreal. Mm-hmm. Barcelona, yeah, Bar- yeah. Barcelona. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what else? You're never going to get to Barcelona talking like that. <laughs> what else we got? Anything else, Ryan? Anything else you want to talk about? Um, not, not really. I, I thought it was, I like, I do always like talking to people about how they think that the space is kind of changing a little bit and getting into a little mm-hmm. bit more different types of training. And like, I know for you guys, I'm sure training's changed quite a bit for you guys and what you like to promote. So like, what are some of the things that you guys have changed quite a bit over the years? Like when you look back, you say you don't like the way it looked. What are some of the things you guys are implementing now? Um, I think what happens, and I think we or uh, I run into too much of this at a fault in that um, because we've been in the training space for so long and we've seen this kind of progression of athletes that I constantly have to remember that there's people that are just jumping into this stuff that like this stuff Mm -hmm. is new. I mean, this has been, you know, part of my life for, you know, geez, you know, 30 years. So now all of a sudden I'll like, you know, as I'm going through these things, I have to constantly remember that people have don't have that margin of experience or just they're brand new to it. Like this is their first day and like, you know, they're excited in this. And I think sometimes we have to remember that there's people that are just finding this stuff. And you're kind of like, man, I've been at this party for a long time. You're just getting here. Like, but the fact that they're at the party. So, um, I sometimes err, and this is something that we constantly go back on the round table when we're looking at like program, program design, or how we're putting out new stuff, uh, to not let it go too far into the weeds, uh, where things get too advanced. 
Um, and because you have to remember most people kind of fit within that kind of beginner to intermediate model. And then, you know, the people that are really advanced tend to get more specialized and more people are kind of in the generalist, like, Hey, I just want to be strong and fast. All right. Well, what does that look like? You know, does it have to be snatching clean and jerk singles or can you do something else? So I think, um, uh, you know, we're always, at least for me, we're, I'm always trying to learn and add new things. Uh, we got real jiggy on, um, at least I did on, uh, you know, like, uh, strength within the foot and looking at like the foot is like, um, you know, our number one contact with the earth and it's how we interact. So like foot strength became super important. So finding different ways to conquer that, um, you know, constantly keeping the athletic paradigm of, you know, being able to move in, you know, three different planes of motion, you know, supine prone, I mean, everything. So, you know, step squat and lunge. So I, I don't know if the principles have ever changed, but I have to constantly err on the side of like, oh shit, this is people's first day. Like these people haven't been following this training for 10 years. So when I want to go too far into the weeds and get real too jiggy, um, I think, you know, Luke and Tex are kind of like set up signal flares, like come back to the light. So, um, that's, uh, you know, I, I think for me and then like, you know, and then um, I'm sure for you too, um, like I got a, you know, clients who, you know, I'm out of shape. My blood work doesn't get, doesn't look good. How do I lose 30 pounds to make it look good? And you're like, all right, well, don't eat like an asshole. Do some aerobic work, lift some weights, get plenty of sleep and uh, don't drink fucking every drink in the bar two nights a week, like one night of, or like how about once a month, you know? So just trying to add some balance back in people's lives. But I think where we, or at least I get excited is training like high level athletes and trying to like, you know, develop some really complex, interesting things to try to continue to drive adaptation when I think like people just need the basics. So that's the constant fight of being in this thing. And I'm sure you've seen it too. Yeah, it's always interesting to see like everybody's take on everything because everyone has a different approach to everything. And as a consumer, I can't imagine what it's like just being on social media or somewhere, some sort of social media network, I guess, and just being like, all right, well, this guy's stuff looks good. This guy's stuff looks good. And this guy's stuff looks good. But it's like, I wish more people took a little bit of time to see like who that person was, what their background was and all that, and not just get triggered by the video or triggered by the, the, the pitch, even though I, I make a lot of stuff that's similar to that. But a lot of these people are just fucking really young kids that have no idea and they're just throwing stuff out there. And I guess a lot of people get, they get injured or they, you know, they get the wrong thing and they, or they, they get burned out and a lot of, a lot of bad things happen. But for gym owners right now, it's just like such an interesting time. I feel like almost every gym is in the next, you know, 10 years, it might, might be obsolete because now everything's going to be online. Well, you have to, I mean, you have to, this is where I think. I, I personally think the market is going, and I've, I've, I've thought this for a while, but I think even more so now is a way to be successful in here, not the way, is to have a smaller base, client base, and create an amazing experience, right? And I think, Ryan, uh, imagine just shrinking your gym by 80% and you get to charge whatever you want because you have the best training you create the best connections with your athletes and there's a line out the door waiting to get in. And by really reducing that footprint, you reduce overhead, but you become a single earner, right? It's like an owner operator earner model. Uh, but it, it, it can't be the training the tra- you can get the training anywhere, the sets, the reps, the movement selections. Um, it has to be experiential. It has well, to be experience based community concierge. Based. Yeah. And of a community of people who want to be together as well, not like the clicky type of deal. So that's why you got to keep it small as well. Well, I mean, uh, could uh, you know, uh, we took the RPR seminar this, um, this last weekend and, uh, JL who, you know, taught the seminar made an interesting thing that like, regardless of our desire to, you know, 
search for autonomy and decide that we're these kind of, you know, lonely, you know, unique individuals. Like we are so interconnected and in that people do better when they are in a community within mm -hmm. a tribe. I mean, you just got to read that book tribes on that. Like that's how we've evolved for, you know, millions of years in these small kind of, uh, uh cohesive mm -hmm. collectives where people are able to, you know, utilize talents and strengths and, you know, cover weaknesses and, you know, this kind of small click environment. And, um, I think for a long time it was churches. You know, that's where people got their community. And then I, when I saw that kind of decline, all of a sudden we saw the rise of the CrossFit gym. And I felt like instead of going to church, people came to the CrossFit gym mm -hmm. and they came to training. The problem is, is I think that um, if CrossFit had understood that a little bit better, what they would have done is instead of going into the uh, licensing model in terms of affiliation, they should have gone into like the franchising model, similar to what like Orange Theory and these other groups mm -hmm. are doing. And uh, they would have owned the universe because what they were doing with those, these other groups are taking it in. They have a system. They have a methodology. They have uh, uh, protected environments. They have branding. They have all these key things. And so while not as libertarian, I guess you could say, as Glassman claims or as open market, but I think what it does is it sets people up for uh, a better chance of success. And it also adds some barrier to entrance where, you know, a dude who goes to a weekend seminar for a thousand bucks and buys, you know, a couple hundred dollars worth of equipment on Craigslist is training people in his garage. And you leverage economies of scale as well yeah. if you want to build that in. Like, are you talking like at 45? Yeah, mm -hmm. which which I, I don't really care for their product. Um, but at the end of the day, they're, you know, they're assessing markets. They have branding. They're putting people in. They're running, you know, they're getting people in the door. Mm -hmm. And I think what the problem is, is that um, uh, we've gone into this uh, down this road of, of, you know, hit exercise and high intensity interval training. Um, I, Ryan, I was laughing. You posted that thing where it called, uh, what would you call it? Medium interval training mitts. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. So everybody should be doing, or everybody uh, hit has evolved into mitt. Mm -hmm. And uh, he posted something and I was in fucking tears laughing, reading it. Uh, but it's really true, man. Like what they're doing is, um, you know, I think if uh, when you look at high intensity, high intensity interval training, people are thinking like, hey, you know, these 20, 30 minute burners, but really high intensity can be, you know, heavy weights. It can be hard duration. It can be this. I mean, there's a million different ways to skin it. I just think it comes down to the education, the creativity and the experience of the individual putting it. And it's like people fail at the margins of experience. You don't have a lot of experience. You just fucking do what everybody else does. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. Interesting point for sure. I mean, I, I've been thinking a ton recently because the gym to me now is it's such a small part of like what I bring in income wise now. So it's not as stressful for me, but every time I go in there, I'll see a class that's like, you know, it's, it's too big or there's other classes that are too small. And, you know, I, I, I genuinely like really want my trainers to make more money and I want that to be something that's really for them. I really want them to have like this cool career because the worst thing that ever happens to me is a trainer quits and I have to find a new one. So it's like, how do I just keep them all and make them all like a hundred grand a year and they're all fucking stoked all the time. And I, I know the answer is like, Hey, make the membership. Like right now it's $200. I'm like, make it like $300 a month. And just, you know, the people who want to be there will be there and yeah, I'll lose a shit ton of people, but it would be, one hell of an experience. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm I don't think you would. But uh, on, honestly, I think people in Newport Beach uh, would like a more expensive, more boutique, higher end place. I mean, there's a reason mm -hmm. that people go to fucking Equinox and want you know towels with you know uh, lavender, like lavender and eucalyptus in them. People dig that shit. And I think yeah. your gym, uh, you know, is, is boutique. It's nice. I mean, you got nice bathrooms. You got showers. I mean, it it looks the part, and you got new equipment. Um, 
I was like, when you told me your monthly, I was like, fuck dude, I would have charged double that Mm -hmm. for, for this space. And, uh, if I had less people, but I had, I was able to give a more boutique experience. I think that market is, is, is out there. And I, I think Newport beach is the place for it. But I also think the hardest part for that though, John, in my opinion is Ryan finding the coach who can do that and isn't yep. already doing it, doing it themselves. Right. It's a very, there's a very thin line within that micro gym space of finding a quality entrepreneurial, solopreneurial type of mindset who wants to do a little bit of side hustle, wants to get the main hustle, wants to establish an expectation, live up to it and exceed it. Well, they're going to do it on their own. Right. Cause I'm having, all... yeah, I'm having such a hard time with this now because all of my trainers and everybody, well, I hired a, a manager for the first time in six years, like three months ago. So now I'm actually at the point where I don't go to the gym that much. Mm-hmm. So they all know what I'm doing now. And they all see like the house I live in, the car I drive. I mean, like all these different things. And they're just like, they all expect it to be like that for them, like immediately. Mm-hmm. So they kind of have some sort of feeling towards me. Like when they see me, or like they're maybe they're making, you know, $35 a class and they're like, well, what the fuck? Like, or like, you know, the members are like, well, the floor is, this is broken. That's broken. Why is it not fixed like that? And like, and like all these different things. And if you do get a good trainer who is thinking like you, they're immediately thinking to do what I'm doing and they're trying to get into it. I mean, I have a guy at my desk right now. He's, he's literally getting paid 12 or $13 at the desk and all day, every day he's on Instagram trying to figure out how he can make a living as an online trainer. Like that's what he does at the desk. I mean, he's, he does the things I ask him to do, but that's also what he's doing. And he's making programs and sending to me, what do you think of this? 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 I'm like, I think you should just fucking check people in. But <laughs> <laughs> like, you're like, you should be yeah, in my professional coaching's development. It's a hundred grand a year. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're in an interesting space right now where, you know, everybody, everybody wants to do what they see everybody else doing. Mm-hmm. And it is hard to own a gym like me and get people who are just, you know, like when I first came in and I was making $35 a class, I was, it was the greatest thing ever. And all I cared about was just getting extra PT clients for a hundred bucks an hour. And that was what I cared about. And now everybody's like, well, everybody acts like they don't care. Like a hundred thousand dollars, not a lot of money anymore, but I'm like, motherfucker, you still make 50 grand, a hundred grand is still a shit ton of money. Mm-hmm. Like for, for let, can we, can we get there first before you start talking about making a million dollars? Like let's, let's take some baby steps and not and be living through these other people for exercising and getting to work in a clubhouse every day. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, you love you. You love your job. Yeah. And I don't, um, and that's not meant to be like a, in necessarily a malicious sense, but like, man, there's, there's dudes in much more austere environments, AKA the cubicle that are grinding for less than that. You know what I mean? And yeah. they don't get the luxuries of, uh, of working in a micro gym and they're probably listening to this podcast right now, <laughs> you know? Um, but that's what, that was the environment I came from. It was just miserable. And then you get to like work in a gym in Southern California and you work like kind of 40 hours a week, maybe, um, coaching classes, mopping floors and dealing with people's problems. But then on the weekend you go to Cassidy's, have a burger, 10 shots of Jameson. Everything's good. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of Irish car bombs. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah but, and, then, um, and then get thrown out of that place. I'm like, I've been thrown out of worse places. Uh, better. Uh, okay. We'll leave. But I'm with you, man. I'm curious to see where this whole thing goes. Cause I, I also know a few people who are just in the infancy of getting their affiliation, right? Like close friends of mine. And, uh, you're like, what are you doing? 
to get an affiliation for a cro- for a CrossFit gym? Yeah. Wow. Oh, that's painful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're like, wow. I always like, I always talk about, cause people always ask me like, Hey, like I really want to open a gym. I want your advice. And I'm like, Hey, well, there's like three pillars that you'd like really need to strongly consider. And you need to consider like a personal brand, a personal training studio where you take that studio, you have personal training clients and then maybe you start to create some sort of personal brand within that where you're, maybe you have, you know, three hours of a day of the, the, the studio that you have is there's no training, but you're making online videos, you're making online content or something like that. And then there's the group training facility, which is what everybody wants. And that's, that's the one that you really want to stay away from if you really care about money. Mm-hmm. But, you know, as we're all in school and getting our kinesiology degrees and such, and the entire time you're in school, all of your professors and everybody is telling you, Hey, if you're going to be in this, you're going to be in this sector, you're going to be in this career. You better not like money very much because you're not going to make a lot of it. And during those infant stages of your career and your building of knowledge and getting into the workforce, you're like, Oh, that's fine. I love this shit. It's cool. And even if I make 60, 70 grand, it's totally fine. And then you get to, you know, a place in the country where you want to live. Let's say it's Newport beach and there's no fucking way you can even live here on a salary like that. So you need to start mm-hmm. figuring out other ways to do it. Yeah. And so how do you, I guess you're, you're talking maybe to more gym owners than we are, but what do you, what do you see as the exit? So if you get into this thing, in the past two, three, four years, is there an exit? Is it just basically sell to there's shut, shut down, liquidate, burn it down. Right. <laughs> uh, there's a sell to uh, like an, a, a rising star. Um, or is it sell to another gym owner? Like how do you, how do you offload? I, the think, asset? If, I think if you're doing a good job, it's possible to create more facilities and just get a little by little and, you know, get enough breadcrumbs where you're eventually making a full cookie. But I think the other option is to create something that if you can create a vibe, you can create a, a community of people that make people wish they were a part of. Like, I, I feel like the way that I kind of portray chalk on our Instagram is you, you really want to go there. And I remember when I was, well, let's just say, I don't, I don't remember the age per, per se, but like when I first started CrossFit, I remember seeing the cover of, you know, men's health magazine. And it was the guy Gerard and, he was uh, the guy Gerard was like he was the actor for the movie Three Hundred. Yeah, Gerard right? Butler. He had, yeah, Texas Gerard Butler. That's one, it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. He he's actually uh, number one on Texas bucket list, right? Oh, nice. So uh, I remember seeing <laughs> him on the cover. <laughs> I remember seeing him he's on the cover, and I and I was like, wow, you know, like he looks amazing, and like there was a lot of people who looked amazing during that time, but it was the fact that he looked amazing. And so did every other body in that movie 300. And it instantly became apparent to me that, you know, whatever they were doing was something that I wanted to be a part of. So it all traced back to Mark Twight and the Jim Jones gym. And mm-hmm. I lived in Utah at the time. And I was like, well, fuck, where is this place? So I remember doing all this research, trying to find out where it was. And it was, you know, there was no address. You weren't allowed to go there. It had to be referral only. Uh, it was like, it was like a secret, you know, it was like a mate. I was like, fuck, I want to do anything to be part of this, but I didn't have any money. And you could go online and you could send a letter in to kind of, you know, why do you want to be here? Or you had a really good friend who vouched for you and said, Hey, you could be here. Or you could become an online member and it wasn't monthly. It was only yearly and it was $500 a year and you could do what they were doing every day on their, on their website. And I was like, Holy fuck. That is like the coolest thing, you know? Like, and I never forgot that. It was something that always is in my head. And then years and years later, I went to Tommy Hackenbrook's gym. I started training with him. This is years later. And I remember one of Tommy's trainers was one of the head trainers 
was Bobby Maximus, who's actually one of the writers for Men's Health, and he does a bunch of stuff now. But uh, he he was telling me one day, I just o- overheard a conversation where he's like, hey, yeah, we have like, you know, between 1,000, 1,500 people following the online program. And he wasn't telling me, he was telling someone else. And I remember being like, holy fuck, this guy's making like 500,000 plus a year on this online program. And that was something that just embedded in me. And I, I didn't know what to do with it at the time. But as, as I started to create chalk, I just like unconsciously was creating the same vibe that kind of drew me into what he was doing. And then one day, you know, I had this, this, this client who was traveling around the world all the time. And she's like, you know what? Every time I go to your gym, it's my favorite workout. Like I love this place so much. There's gotta be a way for you to market what you're doing. And I was like, you know what? You're right. Maybe I can, you know, put a link online and people can follow us. And I remember the day that I did that, I was making the same amount of money within that week that I was making in a month with the gym. And it was just an explosion in my brain of, you know, wow, this is something that you need to do. This is something you need to create. You should never just be creating. You should never understand that what you are doing in that one moment is the only opportunity that you have. If you're putting yourself out there for other people to be inspired, like you can always create, you can create an infinite amount of reach and your reach and your connection with those people is really what creates the income that you make. Cause as we all know, the product is great, right? You can have the best product in the world, but people like to associate that with the person. It's, it's just like anything else in life. Like if you want someone to fix your house tomorrow, you're probably going to ask a bunch of friends who had their house fixed and you're going to get a referral. So like that referral is really what sells people uh, and that, that connection and all that. And it took me a long time to realize that, but um, yeah, that's a little bit of a rant, but a lot of good stuff in there. Awesome. Cool. You got anything? Think we're good? Two hours of just chit chat with our pal. Uh, two hours on the nose. Perfect. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine a better time spent. So Ryan, fifteen if, hours of limp biscuit. Oh, limp biscuit. <laughs> Method man. So what, what? What I think happens is we throw on the headphones, we fire this thing up, and then instantly we're like, "Oh, time for a personality." Oh, Luke, we'll boot it up, and then next thing you know, we're limp brisket. Limp brisket is listen. The penguin's gonna push limp brisket all day. You know? Did that. you say brisket or limp wrist? Limp wrist it. That's well, your ping pong game, pal. <laughs> hey, yo. I'll tell you, you're, uh, I'm not even going to get into this penguin thing. <gasps> okay. And that's another episode <laughs> of the premiere yeah, podcast. Ryan, hey, if people want to check you out, jimryan.com, Ryan Fish on Instagram, right? Uh, where else? What yep, else? All that. Just crossfitchalk.com, but jimryan.com works really well. It's G-Y-M. I, I call it a Jim Ryan because everything started with a gym. Got it. Beautiful. Thanks, Ron. It was a good chat. And thank you, Power Athlete Nation, for listening to another episode of the Premier Podcast in Strength and Conditioning. Ing. Boom. Three ings. Got it. Too bad. I didn't get an ing. All right, Ryan. Take care, man. <laughs> See you, brother. Thank you. Bye. 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 Drop on, drop on, drop on. Now it's time for you to empower your performance. Check out jimryan.com or follow him on Instagram at ryanfish. And if you happen to find yourself in Costa Mesa, do us all a favor and say hi to the walrus for us. Until next time, bye!